0: Welcome and thank you for tuning in to episode 48 of TLDR Podcast. So, full disclosure real fast, we're, we're down, a man, because, you know, Eric and the Clippers are in playoffs and the schedule is super hectic. But we still have Traden, Tyler, and Alex here to bring you yet another very exciting episode. Speaking of exciting, playoffs were in full swing. I mean, NHL, NBA, that's been crazy. So we're excited to talk about that and talk about baseball today. Also, Traden might either cry or break his computer, tonight and uh, we'll just watch we'll see how that unfolds so stay tuned and uh we'll go through this adventure together but before we get through all that we gotta check with the homies as always tyler last weekend of baseball for you this last weekend you happy you excited you sad what's going uh, I'm, I'm
1: i'm pretty happy uh to have weekends again i'm very excited um to actually have a summer you know and, and to look forward to plans and have that kind of stuff uh it's been a while obviously the two years ago i was with uh, my league baseball so was doing that all summer last year was covid so had had you know had some stuff but you know wasn't quite the same so actually getting you know things are opening back up and actually have can, can make plans and have weekends again i'm very excited so i'm very excited to kind of move forward that was very 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 good season for us um, not that we wanted to go but it was a good experience but i'm happy to hang out with the boys and uh, to actually like enjoy a summer for, I feel like the first time in a while for me. So, what's stuff.
0: the first thing you're gonna do? Like, what's your first weekend plan?
1: Uh, I'm actually gonna go up and visit Alex in Paso Robles. So, we're gonna be doing that, uh, do a little wine tasting, do a little otter watch, try and find some otters, uh, do some paddle boarding, stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I'm gonna visit Alex. We, we haven't seen each other, I don't even know, since last
0: fucking August, maybe. Right. I don't even know. Yeah. Well, wow, that's a long time. I haven't seen Alex in 26 years. So <laughs> <crazy>. out, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did not know there were otters at Wineries, though. So that's news to me. There are um, not. <laughs> <laughs> trade in. Big, big weekend for you, my guy. You moved into your multi-million dollar home and also watched the Oilers lose a three-goal lead. How how is that? Is that better? That's that's a lot of hot and cold right there, man.
2: Yeah. Um I mean, if you didn't want to talk to me yesterday, no one did. Um <laughs> Just another three goal led up by the Edmonton Oilers. We'll get into it. I have, I have a, I have a good, I, I have a good diatribe, um, lined up for the, for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm happy about the house. Not happy about the
0: state of my team at this point. Hence the crying or breaking of, of a computer. Now they're yep. gonna be a good things. So we'll see what happens. And then Alex, me, and, uh, Trayden and Eric not Tyler, are all very excited and counting down the days for you to actually come visit, you know, to hang out with you. So we can, you know, drink beers and swing some golf clubs. So <laughs> the last couple mm. of days, have you been, you know, practicing your drinking form or swinging a golf ball? Cl- uh, golf
3: not, not been swinging the golf bat at all. <laughs> <laughs> golf bat. Uh, <laughs> the drinking, yes, uh, it was my lady's birthday this weekend. So uh, we did do some drinking, uh, a little barbecuing, rooftop in. I think that's uh that's the way to say it um but yeah i didn't know we were going to play golf when i came to visit but fuck it let's do it you know oh my god be, that was a shot in the dark. Be Let's do it.
0: i mean i don't have
3: any <laughs> any golf
0: clubs so uh, you can use tyler's we'll have to, uh, that works tyler you can just be um, a caddy for the day yeah um no <laughs> I'm, pr- I'm pretty good at golf though so it should be good <laughs> And like I said, we're missing Eric, but Eric sends his kind of regards and wishes he could be here. But the Clippers practiced at five today, so there's no he's going to make it back in time. Um, that being said, we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna dive right into the NBA. Welcome back. So the first round of playoffs are, you know, they started a couple games in. A lot of great matchups all the way through. I think this is the very first time I've been intrigued by every single first game of the series ever. Like, they were all great, all fun to watch. And Alex is going to tell us more about it. Alex, I'll tell you, man. Thank you, James.
3: Yeah, so just like last week with trade-in, uh, NBA has, playoffs have started. Every series has played at least one game. We've got two games going on tonight. Um, but before we get into that, there's two things I feel like we need to talk about with the NBA playoffs. And I wanna get the boys' perspectives on these. So just before the playoffs started, the NBA announced or that LeBron would not be penalized for pretty much breaking COVID protocols. Now we've talked we talked about the NBA and conspiracy theories like the last couple of weeks on the pod. So pretty much LeBron went out to it was an outdoor party, from what I understand. Everyone either had to be vaccinated or test negative. It was for some sponsorship deal that he's got going on. But he was not punished. What, like, any of you guys just chime in. Thoughts on this? I mean, he's obviously the most marketable player in the game. You know, say what you want about Steph and Kevin Durant and Giannis, but LeBron is still the face of basketball. Conspiracy theory because the NBA wants LeBron playing? Or did it just happen to be that it was it was it was actually fine and just got bigger storyline because it was LeBron?
0: So I'm a big fan of conspiracy theories. You guys have heard it a bunch. (laughs) Huge fan of it. But this is just not the case here. Um, It was blown up because it is LeBron. The league came out with a memo kind of detailing the circumstances surrounding this whole thing about the tequila event and how everybody had to be vaccinated or have a negative test within 48 hours of going to that event. And it also detailed the fact that in certain cases where the athlete has money into that, like a sponsorship event, it is deemed as okay. Okay. And the precedent has been set from multiple, multiple times a season. It just hasn't been documented or blown up. But players have gone and done that. They've gone and done photo shoots. They've gone and done other things to promote their brand, their sponsorships, as long as people have been vaccinated and have a negative test. And so, I mean, at this case, he's hit every single one of the check marks of it being a league okay event, and he's done it. It's just the fact that LeBron, it's LeBron. So people are like, oh, man, he's breaking the rules. The league is league is making this happen for him and it's just you know that's not the case at all
2: and yeah i mean I, I would have to agree here and i'm not even i not a lebron fan um that's for sure um and i mean this is a this is a nothing burger to me i mean e- e- this whole country's opening back up masks are coming off all that all that stuff's just kind of opening up and it's it's to me even i didn't even know that he was he was within the 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 guidelines so to speak so i think to james's point this is just a you know big news because it's LeBron and and I I would rather talk about my nomination I'm gonna no, I'm right now nominating LeBron James for an academy award because that flop last night or the other night was absolutely amazing U- unanimous academy like that was just incredible um that's what we should be talking about
0: I see I don't know if it's unanimous because you still got James Harden in there somewhere and I mean like he's gonna get some yeah, books that's true
2: that is true it's going to be a, it's going to be a big fight for that. I mean, come on. Like that was, that was something I, that was ridiculous. That
3: was unbelievable. I hope that at the SB's like two years or from now or something, that is an actual award. Oh, like biggest acting job in sports. That's, That's not Dude. like, you know, someone <laughs> was... making a camp, not LeBron in, in space jam too. Like actually, um, <laughs> soccer player, or for a basketball player, actually it's only it has to be one of those. It's not gonna be a baseball player or, you know, football or hockey. So
1: um Tyler, anything on this on this LeBron COVID situation? Um yeah, I pretty much agree with everyone else. Um I think it was blown a little bit of portion just because you know, COVID's opening up or kind of dwindling down a little bit and things are starting to open up. Um, so I think that just the timing with this news, I think everyone's still a little bit, you know, COVID triggered. Um, so I think when they hear COVID LeBron, you know, things, I think that kind of alerts people's attention. Um, and obviously LeBron being, you know, arguably the face of the NBA, it's a big deal. Um, I would like to think that the league would not give uh, favoritism towards their stars in those kind of situations or punishments. Um, I don't think they would, but you know, like I said, I don't, I don't think that's what that was the case here. I think it was just, um, I think LeBron did follow the rules and just people are making it seem like he didn't, um. So, yeah, that's pretty much what I have to say about that.
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, sorry, Trayden's obviously enthralled he's with something going on.
1: Whoever he's starting to cry,
3: YouTube, everybody. He's, he's a distracted, but it's okay. Um, I mean, as a Laker fan, obviously I'm glad that, like, things didn't go poorly, but also as a fan of conspiracy theories, I kind of want to believe that the NBA was just like, no, nah, it's fine, don't worry about it. Uh, maybe, but you're, maybe, you, are all, you are probably all right that – it, it was, it got blown out of proportion because of who it is. If it was, you know, the 12th man on the Wizards bench, they no one would even know about it. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the last thing so, Stephen A. Smith had a, uh, you know, think of him what you want, I guess, but had a pretty big rant on whatever fucking ESPN show he's thought I can't keep track of what they're all called. Uh, about, it, uh, First take. Yes. There Thank is. you. Yeah. Uh, about the Clippers and the Nuggets, both losing games down the stretch to avoid the Lakers. I don't know if this is for all. I know this is another conspiracy theory, but we're into into it. What what are your guys' thoughts? And I think it's kind of good Eric's not here for this part. But thoughts on – it feels like especially the Clippers, possibly, not to throw them under the bus or anything, but them losing to avoid the Lakers. Um, And just what do you guys think about, like, especially in basketball, losing – games down the stretch to try to
1: get yourself in a more favorable situation for for a playoff run? I think you never want to see teams lose on purpose, but I think that they probably do. Um, I think that, you know, their ultimate goal is to win a championship and however that they can control themselves to put themselves in the best situation, they're going to do that. And sometimes as unpopular as it may sound, maybe losing a few games will help them depending on the seeding. So, um, I we don't know for sure. Um, It's you know, for me, I think if I was the Clippers, looking at you know the seating, the way things were, I wouldn't want to play Lakers in the first round. I'd much rather you know play play pretty much any any other team, you know, Um, or or the uh, the uh, the Trailblazers. Um, So for me, that's why I I think that that they probably did. Um, But like I said, it's 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 hard to say for sure. It's 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 it it's a hard thing to say because you never want teams to say they're losing on purpose and they're never going to admit it but i think that i think sometimes some situations that they probably do i I, go ahead go
0: for it okay i i mean yeah i get that that makes sense i just don't understand why teams do that if you're that afraid of the lakers then you're going to assume that they're going to make it just as far as you're going so might as well get that out of the way first and either like give your team extra rest or have that iron sharpens iron mentality and move forward it's like you're just avoiding something that's going to come around and get you eventually. So, why are you, what, what's the point of losing games now and killing your momentum? Like, I mean, yeah. the way I live my life, it's like I do the hardest thing first. The first thing I can, first thing in the morning is the hardest thing. So, I can get that out of the way and continue to move forward using that momentum that I built up. And the Clippers, but if they had done that, if they're using that conspiracy of losing on purpose, they're killing the momentum to avoid something that's going to come around and get them eventually. Like, what? I don't understand why they. Why is that a thing?
2: I I would argue uh, to your point. I, I don't know why they would do that. Like why they would lose on purpose. I I'm actually more of the more on the camp that hey, you know these these two teams made the playoffs and they're gonna they're pro- they probably over that stretch of time rested their their top dogs a lot more than than a typical you know period during the season right. They've already established it. Let's re- let's put a little bit more. I hate I hate it but um, the uh, load management a little bit, employing a little bit more load management to make sure that the players are ready for for the postseason and they're probably playing teams that are desperate to make playoffs so they're you know they're playing teams that are playing a little bit more desperate desperate basketball and it just leads to a little bit more losses I, I don't know why you would lose on purpose to James Point I don't know why you would lose on purpose although I could understand you maybe, not necessarily losing on purpose, but managing your, your star player so that they're ready for a full playoff run. I think that would be, that would make more sense than just completely just losing to just lose. Um, You know, but you know, I guess I kind of, I guess if you really, you know, want to, um, you know, split hairs, I guess I'm kind of looking at both ends. I guess you could say, I'm kind of saying both are right, but I, I don't, I think it's less that they're trying to f- play the Lakers or not play the Lakers as much as it is making sure that, you know, Kawhi is, is healthy for the postseason.
3: Yeah, I mean, and Kawhi is the poster boy for load management. I feel like that sort of came around with him, especially in that Toronto, his one season in Toronto. Um, I don't. I think it doesn't help that, unfortunately, it is the Clippers and they have no, never won anything. They, you know, were supposed to be this big powerhouse last year. They did all this promotional shit and then they faded and played like crap in the playoffs and uh, you know everyone was expecting we talked about on this podcast We're like all right so lakers clippers what's your conference finals let's not kind of talk about the rest of it and then didn't happen so um i and i agree with you james i think like you know you're just going to put it off until later on and you're tired more like you want to and i think if you're the clippers you should want to prove yourself like prove that you can beat the lakers you can beat lebron and now you just now it just looks like you're kind of hiding with your tail tucked between your legs and it's Kind of a weak move. I don't, you know, again, we'll never be able to prove that this
2: actually happened or not. But now the real conspiracy is the NBA asking the Clippers to lose <laughs> games so that they don't play the <laughs> Lakers early on and then they play them in the conference final. That's where the that's where the um, controversy is.
0: I like that, I way, more.
2: that way more. I actually
3: hope that actually yeah. did happen. Yeah, I agree with you. I hope that did happen. <laughs> that'd be awesome. Um, OK, let's get into the meat of the playoffs. So we have 16 teams. Eric's not here, so I'm going to take the other four. And we're going to do the exact same thing Traden did with hockey last last week. Just what does this team need to do to win? How can they win? You, you get it. Um, we're going to start in the East since that was kind of the way that the playoffs started. So first things first, Boston won. We all said they were going to lose, so we fucked up on that one. Boston won that first playing game. there, the seventh seed. And then Washington came back and won. Uh, so they are the eight seed. So the Washington Wizards are actually a real playoff team right now. Um, we're going to start at the bottom half of the bracket. So the Brooklyn Nets, the two seed, taking on the Boston Celtics, the seven seed. Trader What did the, what? I mean, yeah. What do the Nets need to do to beat Boston? The the series is already one zero, Brooklyn.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day. <laughs> The, the team kind of speaks for itself. I mean, they, they, you know, they made these big trades um, towards the early part of the season. We, 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 we've talked about the Brooklyn Nets quite a bit on this podcast. So I think, you know, a lot of that kind of more or less speaks for itself in that, you know, they, they got, they got Kevin Durant, they got um, they got James Harden uh, and they have um, who am I missing Kyrie Irving. I mean, th- those are the big three, you know, scores, and this team was the best offensive team in in the league, or one of at least. If the, I think they were number two, uh, in terms of offense, if not number one, and you know, these guys are, and, and to my surprise, uh, James Harden pl- turned into a little bit more of a playmaker than he, you know, than we expected. I mean, I'm not saying that he's he's, you know the greatest passer ever. I'm not going to sit here and say that, but he did turn into more of a playmaker than he ever has been. And I, you know, we, we talked about that. I talked about this being an issue in that you get three guys that just won the ball, um, you know, every game or all game, and you're going to run into some issues. And they, they, they did fairly well in terms of melding those three, you know, uh, you know, big personalities onto that team. Uh, James Harden has trying to change his game a little bit to be a little bit more of a passer. And I think that that's kind of helped, and I think that they just have to be that dominant offensive team and just continue doing what they're doing. I mean, they they've they're a number two seed for a reason. Um, so that's kind of where we're. That's kind of. I, I have to just leave it at that. They they just they will just outscore Boston, you know. and I don't really think Boston has a chance against those three big boys.
3: Yeah. Um. So yeah, I was I was supposed to take Boston, so that's my fault. Um. Yeah. Realistically, this feels like a pretty unfair fight um it's it sort of feels like a varsity playing a freshman team or something like that um i do think the celtics can get a couple of wins um you know jason tatum if he can go off for 50 again like he did in the play-in game they can win a they can win a game or two here um do i think that boston's be able to out this is the problem you have to outscore brooklyn four times with those incredible offensive players realistically do i think boss can do that four times no um but i think they can make this more of a series than people maybe expect i could see it going six, um but i could also see them getting swept so it will be uh it'll be a fun one to watch um and just the growth of jason tatum and the superstar that he already is minimum just check that out um and just wait for brooklyn
2: to move on if the odds were any indication of how lopsided this is Brooklyn's favored by minus 1430, which means you have to bet a hundred dollars and you, or I'm sorry, you have to bet $1,430 to win a hundred dollars. I mean, the, the it's yeah. just,
3: it's just, you just give them the
2: first round. At this
3: point. <laughs> Yeah. And that, that is something with basketball that it's pretty rare that at the beginning of the playoffs that a lower seed will beat a higher seed. I mean, the five, four matchups, but especially the two sevens, one eight, it's pretty tough. Um, we're gonna move on to the Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat, who played last year in the playoffs. The Heat won, I'd say, pretty surprisingly, um, and then went on to the NBA Finals. Obviously, um, the game I believe just ended, and the Bucks destroyed the Heat. So it's now up to it's two nothing. Um, they did go to OT in the first game. Uh, Milwaukee just squeaked out that win, um, but let's start with the Heat, Tyler. What can Jimmy Butler and Miami do to come back in this series? Can they beat the Bucs?
1: Yeah, so um, after that game one, it was a good close game over time, um, you know, with the Heat beating the Bucs last year in the playoffs. I thought maybe the Heat just have the Bucs' number in the playoffs. I just thought maybe they got something going on. You see that every once in a while. It's just a team, for whatever reason, even on paper, is not as good as their team. They find a way to beat them in in, in the playoffs. And then today happened and the Bucks dropped like 45 points and 10 three pointers in the first period. And I was like, well, shit, there goes my argument. So obviously down 2-0 in the series, um, it's not looking good. Um, I think the biggest difference between, between the two games was the uh, three point shooting of the Bucs. Um, the, the heat were able to uh, hold them to only 16% in game one, but obviously today they shot about 41% from, from three point range. So, um somewhere those are going to even out, but um, I mean, the Heat are going to have to find a way to play better defense and, and stop that, that three-point attack. Um, but this Bucks team, man, it's going to be hard. They're, they're so deep, um, and they're I don't think there's going to be much of a chance for the Heat, but it, but it is a seven-game series. They're going back to, to Miami, um, but they're, they're just going to have to play much better defense. Um, that, that's what, what what's going to come down to. Um, but honestly, like I, I, I thought maybe after after a game one that the heat might have a chance to kind of you know s- squeak and upset here, but um, after losing game one still and then the performance of today, not as confident on that one.
3: Yeah, uh, James, you've got the bucks. they closing this out.
0: they're you know, what do they need to do? It honestly Tyler said, that the reason this game was so lopsided today was because of the Bucks three-point shooting. And I want to argue that it was because of the Heat's three-point shooting. Like one of my biggest things is that they needed the Bucs need to defend the Heat's three-point shooters to a T, like crazy hard this, this series. Main reason is that Giannis and PJ Tucker have clamps on Bam and Jimmy. Like Jimmy Butler has not had a good series so far. Neither has Bam. I mean, tonight Jimmy had 10 points and Bam had 16. And those are supposed to be 20-plus point guys every single night. But for some reason, they can't battle with the size that the Bucks possess. So that means all the shots seem to come from Tali Hero and Duncan Robinson, who just shoot from three. And it's like they're young guys. They're going to go through hot and cold streaks. If you can get them early and you're going to miss early, get them to go cold early, which is what happened here today. Today they shot 16% or 28% from three. Like, they they ain't good. If you can get the clamps on – the Heat's three-point shooters early, the Bucks are just destroying them. The Heat have nothing else right now. The Heat don't have Jimmy because Jimmy's getting clamped by Giannis. It's going to be tough. And y'all forget, Giannis was the MVP last year. He was the MVP the year before that. Like this year was a quiet-ish season for him, but he obviously 28 points, 11 rebounds and six assists. Like the dude is still a monster. Y'all forget that. He had a quiet season, but he's damn good.
3: Yeah, I think Giannis, I think people forget how good Giannis is. He's still obviously a top five player. In basketball there's not much question about that um and i kind of think the bucks have a really good shot of going deep this year because they're not the focus the last two years they were the best regular season team everyone expected them to go you know through the eastern conference and they they tripped up and this year there's two teams in front of them in the standings brooklyn obviously getting a ton of attention with their big three so um I think Miami can pull off at least a couple of wins. Jimmy Butler can rally those te- those guys, but this it feels almost insurmountable already, which is kind of a bummer for Miami, but it is what it is. Um, okay, we're moving on to the 4-5 matchup. Two teams we didn't really know would be in the playoffs at the beginning of this year. I don't think either one of them were in my top si- – okay, sorry, James, fuck you. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you're on the YouTube, you'll see what I mean. Um, so the f- number four Knicks and the number five Atlanta Hawks, um, we're going to start with the bottom C, which is the Hawks. So I'm going to talk about them. They're up one, nothing in this series already. This is a incredible series of two young teams, one, a defensive juggernaut and the Knicks and then the offensive firepower of the Hawks. I think the Hawks and their shooting can take this Trey young De Niro Gallinari I think they have a good shot of taking down this Knicks team, but this feels like a series that could go seven and whoever comes out of this is going to be incredibly like prepared for whoever they have to face next. Um, I, this is one of those series that I think people should be watching because it feels super tight, young teams. Um, I like the Hawks to come through this, but I kind of want the Knicks to win. James, James, the Knicks are apparently your team. We've talked about them all season. What do the Knicks need to do to come back from kind of a heartbreaking loss in game
0: one? They need to stick to their game. Their playoff and experience showed big time in game number one. Uh, in the first half, they were missing wide open shots. RJ Barrett was missing left. Julius Randle was shooting too hard. And it's like those two guys were off all game long, and yet they still only lost by two points. The Knicks were the number one defensive team overall. They were number one in the half court, they were number one in the full court, they were number one in transition. There is no better team than the Knicks statistically at all. If they can just go back to that and contain Trey Young, they play Trey Young too soft. Uh Derek Rose cannot be guarding Trey Young, Trey Young's too fast. Derek Rose's knees cannot handle that at all. But if you play a little bit deeper of a zone, allow Trey Young to drive a little bit, put your hands up and disrupt that shot. If they can contain contain Trey Young, it should be smooth sailing. There's not really anybody else in that Hawks team that can destroy this Knicks team. And like I said, uh, RJ Barrett and Julius Randle both had off games. That's not going to happen. Again, I mean, they're going to continue to play. The more they play, the less those Jitters are going to be apparent and the more they're going to go back to their style of basketball. And, you know, Julius Randle is in the running for most improved and he's shown it. Like he, I think he's maybe like, he's 10th in the MVP voting. He's up there. He's a good player. If he can get back to that, That'll be okay. They lost by two points after a bad game by their leader. The same bad.
3: Yeah, it will be. That will be a really fun series to watch. Um, again, I hope that goes seven. Um, I'm sure MSG was rocking. They finally got a home playoff series game in decades. It feels like so. Um, keep an eye on that one, and then we're moving on to the last one in the East here. The number one seeded 76ers versus Tyler's eight seed Washington Wizards. Um, game one, Philly did pull it out, but it was close. It was close all game. Um, Tyler, can Washington continue this unimaginable streak that they're on and shock the
1: world and beat the 76ers? Uh, no, they're not going to beat the 76ers in a seven-game series. This is not going to happen. Like, Let's be honest, but – I mean, look, they're, they're, this team is a lot better than people think. And I've been telling you guys that for a long time. Like, they've been playing really good basketball, and they're going to make this competitive. I don't think it's going to be, a, you know, a blowout. A lot of people are like, oh, like, you know, 76ers, best team in basketball season against this, you know, Wizards team, the eight seed that barely made the, uh, that barely made the playoffs. You know, like, I, for, for pretty much four quarters, they were pretty much, you know, uh, with, with uh, the 76ers, that, that whole game statistically you know pretty even I think the only kind of the biggest uh, fault there was uh, um, offensive rebounds the the Sixers dominated and turnovers the Sixers were better in so obviously two points in a basketball game that you have to you have to win Um, I think the Wizards might pull out a game or two in this series but the 76ers are going to come up victorious but um, let's give some credit to, to, to the Wizards, a team that a lot of people are counting out and they're grinding the, the, these basketball games and playing really good basketball and making these games really competitive. And I think they're going to you know, give uh, Philly a run for their money. I don't, I don't, I don't think they're going to win it by any means, but I think they're going to make this way more competitive than a, a lot of people think.
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it all kind of falls on Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. Like, if they play like shit, they don't have a shot. If they play well, they might be able to squeak some of them out trade 76 ers should Philly fans even really be worried I mean
2: I, I think I think that you need to be cautious I mean I, I, I mean you know the, the game was close I mean there, there were 13 or I'm sorry there were 10 lead changes I mean that that's a that's a pretty even game and it only ended up being a, a seven point game which is you know that's a that's a great game for for an 8C team against the, the you know the top team I think they weren't they the top team in the, the, in the league? so i mean that, uh, yeah uh, or in the, east, I think. Not, in the east not in the east okay yeah so yeah. yeah so i mean that 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 says a lot i mean I, I i think at the end of the day um you know there's one there's one key that that washington doesn't have and that's joel Embiid. i think that he's yeah, he it, alone from his great run this year uh he's this year he's completely torched the Torch the wizards in particular um he's averaged 30 points 9.7 rebounds and shot 60 percent against the uh against the wizards and he he just he just gets up for those games um so that's that i mean that's a tough matchup um even when you do have um you know those those two big guys on the other side that being said i don't I, i don't really like i mean while it's it you know while the triple double guy himself He's a is a great player. He he gives up a, he gives the ball away a lot more than he should. He he you know and the rebounds just they're not getting the rebounds. And I just think that they need to be, you know, they're gonna have to be a little bit more or the Wizards are just gonna be have to be more aggressive in terms of you know maintaining uh, Joel Embiid, but that's just not gonna happen. Uh, I just I, I I don't think that that 76ers fans need to be necessarily worried as much as they do need to be cautious. I think that the longer this series goes, I think that it actually may serve the 76ers a little bit, it, it may serve well in that they'll be, they'll, you know, they'll get a bit more playoff experience. They'll get a little bit more prepared for that next game. I think if, I think if they just were to sweep them, they might not, they, they, they could, you know, rest a little, rest a little bit too much and not get, you know, back on the court. Um, and I, and I think it's, it's in their best interest for these games to be a little bit closer so that they, you know, they can manage the, you know, manage the games, you know, throughout, you know, manage the, throughout the game and deal with the ebbs and flows of, of what playoff basketball is all about. So um, that being said, don't be worried. 76ers fans, just, just be
3: cautious. I do agree with you in the fact that I, I think we all, you know, we would be all shocked if the wizards beat 76ers in the seven game series. Um, Joel Embiid is one of those players in the NBA that is actually unguardable with his skill set. Um, he's too big. He's too strong. He's got a good shot. He's got moves around the rim that uh, you just can't guard. I disagree with you on the longer the series. The other problem with Joel Embiid is he's a big-ass boy. He doesn't stay healthy. He's had plenty of lower body issues in the past. And if they, if this is going to be finally the 76ers' years, they, I think they just want to play the least amount of games against teams they should destroy before they have to go up against Milwaukee or Brooklyn, possibly in the Eastern Conference Finals, because whoever, you know, or I mean, I would be surprised if one of these other teams make it. We've talked about these big three in the East for a couple of months now. But so if the Sixers play one of those two other teams, that's going to be a hard fought series. Um, So I actually I think the 76ers have a very good reason to try to sweep the Wizards and keep Embiid off of his legs as much as possible, because without him, they're fucked. Like, that's just the end of it. If they don't have Joel Embiid, they're not going to continue on.
2: Um, yeah, that I can agree with.
3: Yeah. So, I yeah, 76ers fans, you'll be okay. Just hope Embiid stays healthy or you're screwed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Basically.
3: Yeah. Okay. We're moving over to
2: the West. Oh, oh hold on. Hold on. Okay. If, if, if we if we are going to sit here and say that Joel Embiid is the reason that, you know, the, the 76ers are – the second one of the top was it the top three teams in the league, top team in the East, is that's got to be MVP worthy, like like top of the MVP list, right?
3: I think if he wasn't hurt for such a long period of time, he would have been the favorite for MVP. But Jokic in the West has carried the Nuggets past the Jamal Murray injury, um, and I think Embiid is in the top three. Uh, with you no know, Jokic and Curry, if I'm remembering correctly, for like the finalists. Um, so he'll definitely be top three. I don't think he's gonna win, but
0: um, it we're gonna get a that. big go ahead, James. What it also hurts that Ben Simmons is in the running for defensive player of the year because I mean, his war for that is pretty damn good. So, like, even if Joel Embiid wasn't on that team, Ben Simmons could have won the game a couple games because of his defensive abilities, yeah. Um, I yeah, he was definitely the
3: favorite going going into, you know, halfway through the season until he had his uh, bone bruise that we talked so much about. But, uh, okay, now we're going to move to the West, as long as it's okay with trading. Um, uh. No, it's okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Lakers did end up beating the Warriors in a pretty amazing game, um, which just, you know – lebron james acting skills aside in that um (laughs) it was a great game um some interesting calls by the referees i'd say on both sides in that game um and then memphis ended up beating san antonio and then memphis ended up beating golden state which i don't think any of us thought was even remotely a possibility so golden state season is over um but watch out because Klay Thompson's coming back next year. That team is going to be a hell of a lot better next year. So, Golden State fans will be all right. Um, you'll just get some more rest for Steph, and here we go. So, um, same thing. We're going to start on the bottom half of the bracket. The two-seed Phoenix Suns got matched up with the seven-seed Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Phoenix did pull out game one. Um, it was pretty chippy, I would say. Um we got we had some little fireworks. Uh, Tyler, we'll start with you. Lakers are down one nothing. What do they
1: need to do um, to get back into the series? Are you? What are your thoughts? You know, number one, obviously the, the biggest takeaway from game one was how poorly Anthony Davis played. Um, he's got to be the rock. He's, he he he's got to be their guy. He did not play well in game one. I think he will bounce back, and I think he will play a lot better in the series. He's just too good of a talent. I just, he he just had a bad game. Um, so Anthony Davis playing a lot better is going to help them a lot. Um, number two, I think there, there's a little bit of a mismatch here with the Lakers and the Suns in the sense that the Lakers are really good. They're, they're, the, best, they're the best defensive team in the NBA because they're really good at defending the three and they're really good at, good at defending the, the, the paint. They're not as good as defending the, mid, the mid-range jumper, which the Suns are really good at. Devin Booker and, and Chris Paul both are really good at, at, at the mid-range. Um, so that's where they're going to have to kind of figure out their, their defensive scheme a little bit. And kind of and be able to to uh, to defend Booker a lot better on those on those mid on that mid range game. I think this Lakers team is a, obviously a, the best defensive team in the NBA. They will they will figure that out over a course of a seven game series. Um, but honestly, to be honest, I'm a little surprised that um, this Lakers team is favored to beat the Suns. I think the Suns, honestly, like right now, are a better team. Um, I think the Lakers should be able to beat the Suns, and I think that they will eventually in, um, over a seven game series. But this Suns team's legit. Like, a lot of people, I think, out of, for some reason, don't really count the Suns as a great basketball team. I'm not really sure why. I think they've proven all season that they are like, a yeah, top-five uh, basketball team. Um, so the, the Lakers are going to have their hands full. Um, I think, like I said, uh, that 80 uh, will bounce back, and he's going to play a, a, a lot better. Um, and then, you know, I think that they're going to figure out the on, the, on the, the defensive side of the ball, I think the Lakers are good at, you know, when a bad game happens, they're good at kind of adjusting their game plan and, and executing that on, on, on the defensive side. So I think the Lakers will, will, will figure this out. Uh, but I think it could go seven easy. So it's, it, it's going to be a, hard, a hard-fought series, but I think the, the
0: Lakers will come out on top. Why do you think AD had such a bad game? Because I, I think it's because AD and Drummond cannot play together. AD wants inside, so there's Drummond. Drummond can't make an outside shot. Marc Gasol can so I venture to argue that Marcus Gasol should be in there a bit more than Drummond should be.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously that's a big thing the Lakers have struggled with is their chemistry since everyone's come back. You know, they brought Drummond in because of the injuries and now they're all playing together. And I think they're still trying to figure it out, which unfortunately during a playoff series is, is hard to, you know, figure out. It's, it's now or never. So um, I don't know. I think Frank Vogel is a great head coach. He's going to figure something out to get those guys playing the, the, the way they need to. I don't think it's gonna be pretty, though. I I mean, the Lakers pretty much we I think talked about last week, they pretty much walked to the NBA title last year. This is going to be a completely different story. Like it's going to be a grind every single series. The Lakers just are not the same cohesive unit as they were last year. But I think they still have a lot of key leaderships, uh, people in place that are going to help them forward and kind of battle through this, you know, adjustment that, that 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 they have to make. Yeah,
3: um, I'm talking about the cents, but to put in, because I'm a Lakers fan, I'm going to put in my little two cents. James, I agree with you. I mean, we saw it at the beginning of that Warriors game. The AD and Drummond were on the floor together, and the Warriors came out and smoked them. They were up by 13 and a half or something. They closed the game out. Drummond was nowhere to be seen. AD played the five. That's the Lakers' best lineup is when AD is playing the five. He doesn't want to, but if you want to win, you got to make sacrifices for your team. Um, Yeah. yeah, like, you want to go back-to-back? Fucking back? So play the five, AD, sorry. Um, for the Suns, first big problem already, another Chris Paul injury in the playoffs. He did come back in the in game one, but, you know, we don't really know what the extent of that injury is, kind of what how, how healthy he is. Um, and I personally think DeAndre Ayton is the biggest factor for the Suns. Devin Booker is going to score He's a fucking monster. Chris Paul is going to do Chris Paul things. If DeAndre Ayton can give the Suns anything, if he if he can help, what's happening? Uh, if he can help guard AD Drummond Marcus All, it's going to be that's going to be the game changer. I think um, DeAndre Ayton, n- number four number one overall pick, hasn't exactly had the greatest start to his career, but will but he's played a lot better. It helps when you have a point guard like Chris Paul. I agree. I think this could go seven. Um, I do think the Lakers will eventually win it out. I just think there's too much talent on that team. And just an unfortunate draw for this number two seed Phoenix Suns, who had a great season. And you're right, Tyler, they have not gotten any respect. Um, and now this little injury to Chris Paul is just a little bit worrisome for Phoenix. But I also would not surprise me if they won. It would not, um, you know, the Lakers team. They've just been hurt. There's just too much to go through. But that will be a very interesting series. Um, moving on to the six-three matchup, the Portland Trailblazers and the Denver Nuggets. Um, this is the first one so far. Um, well, I guess not really, but Portland won a six-six. The six beat the three. Um, We talked we talked about the Nuggets quite a bit on this podcast, especially after the Jamal Murray injury. You know, what can the Nuggets do? Um, Well, they lost game one. Portland won. Um, So, James, let's start with you. Uh, Portland won game one. What do they need to do to continue and possibly finish out the Nuggets?
0: Keep doing what you're doing, man. The Blazers have been on fire they won 11 of the last 13 games, and they have not shown any signs of slowing down whatsoever. Dame has been damn near averaging 30 points these last couple games, and he put up 34 in game one. The most underrated player in the league, CJ McCollum, is averaging about 20-plus in the last nine games. He's he's doing his part right there. And the Jamal Murray effect is starting to wear down that Nuggets team. Jokic needs help. He's been playing his heart out every single game for the last couple months. And it's getting to the point where it's unsustainable. He's continuing to play at that level. But you can see the fatigue there. I mean, he's giving his all every single game. And it's just like adrenal fatigue. That wears out on you over time. That's unsustainable until he gets help. That being said, the Nuggets were successful during the regular season because they had help from their role players, like Aaron Gordon, like Austin Rivers. Those guys played well. And they got to continue doing that now. That didn't necessarily happen in game one of the playoffs. If they can pull that off in the playoffs, then yeah, the Denver Nuggets are a pretty damn good complete team and can outscore the Blazers because the Blazers' defense is non-existent. But the fact of the matter is, if those role players don't step up and it's all on your shoulders, he can't do it all on his own. The Blazers have been to the playoffs multiple times over these last couple of years and have a multitude of playoff experience that can draw on that and outscore a Denver team without help.
3: Traded. same question. What do the Nuggets need to do get back into the series and can they beat the Blazers with how well they're playing and without their second star?
2: Yeah. They just keep doing what mm. they're doing though. <laughs> 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 I mean, I guess if you take right now's game into consideration, just keep doing what you're doing because you're winning. Um, but um, <laughs> look, I, I think that Jokic just needs to do his thing. It's, it's a, I mean, he, he can, he cannot be, I mean, we can assume that that's going to be the case. So we have to look to, to James point. We have to look deeper. Um, was it, I mean, the, 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 injury to Jamal Murray, I think was, you know, an, an issue was, it has been an issue. And I think that that will be an issue going forward, unless the, the team can find a way to, to, you know, replace him with depth, with, with depth, you know, stepping up, um, in times that, you know, are absolutely needed. Uh, Jokic is, is a menace and he's just going to be, and that's just the case. That's just that we That's par for the course at this point. Um, but I look at like players like Paul mishap that's that's veteran experience that the uh, is what did I said did I say it wrong
0: It's Millsap Paul Millsap that's what you I said, said miss you said mishap
2: <laughs> no, I said Millsap for sure. it just <laughs> sounded that way I'm sure
1: um,
2: <laughs> he, he, he has uh, he has veteran presence that I think you need you need that kind of you need those players on that team to 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 galvanize those younger players and and bring you know bring out the I guess the the depth stepping up to the plate and, and replacing what, I guess, I guess not really replacing, but trying to fill a gap that Jamal Murray has left. Um, Austin Rivers is an, is an interesting player that, you know, he's a streaky player, but he has, he has the ability to break out. And I think that that will will help uh, uh, that that if, if he can be that guy, then I think that that's a huge, that that's huge. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. Has taken his scoring off to the next level. If he can continue doing that. You know this team has a chance to to get to to go past round one and and they, we could see a deep run from this team. Um, although, but if those you know if those individuals aren't gonna step up, if, if if those things don't go right, I mean I wouldn't be surprised if the if the Blazers um, beat the beat the beat the Nuggets. I've had my issues with the Nuggets as of late. I think that they're just a little bit too streaky for me. But um all that said, I think that. You know, when you have Jokic, you have a chance to you have a chance to win a, a basketball game. And I think that I think his surrounding supporting squad needs to needs to realize that, step up, and um, and they and they can make a deep run.
3: Yeah, I I think you guys both nailed it. If Portland continues to play as well as they're playing, they can win. They need to play well offensively because James is right; their defense is garbage. It's complete trash. So if they start shooting poorly, they're going to lose games. For Denver, you know Jokic is going to bring it. He's the MVP. Um, You need Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, Austin Rivers, Paul Millsap, these guys to step up. And if they don't, they don't have a shot at beating Portland. Um, I feel like this one is, out of all, you know, out of this Western Conference, sort of underrated or sort of hidden behind some of these other big matchups. But this is one of the most intriguing matchups in the West right now. Um, I'm going to – I'm going to – Keep watching it. We'll see if Dame and CJ McCollum can bring it out or if MVP Jokic can carry his team to the second round. Uh, Moving up in the bracket, the number four seed Los Angeles Clippers because they apparently didn't want to play the Lakers early on. And the number five seed Dallas Mavericks meet up again in back-to-back playoffs. Dallas got the better hand in game one, and they beat the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, So let's start with the five seed Dallas Mavericks. Tyler, what do the Mavs need to do to beat the Clippers and uh, break Eric's heart?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, so I think for the Mavericks, it comes down to a balanced scoring attack. Um, obviously, uh, uh, Doncic is going to be their guy. He's he's going to come in and, and play great, but you but you need to get uh, production out of everyone. Which the which the first game, I thought they did a a, a really good job. Um, so. They're going to have to keep doing that, and they're going to have to keep sh- uh, sh- shooting well from, from, from three-point from three range. Uh, Finney Smith um, also dropped 18 points, and uh, Hardaway also dropped 21. So you're going to need guys like that in their, in their, in their starting lineup to really give this team a chance to, to beat the Clippers, who on paper are much more talented, much more better basketball team than, than the Mavericks. But this, 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 is the, uh, this is the NBA playoffs, and I think there's going to be a, f- a few upsets. Um, you know, with, with the way if, if the Clippers were trying to lose and you know, not going get that, that, that seed, I don't think that's a good way to, to go about things. And you know, maybe they're gonna get their That would be amazing irony if they tried to you know lose to not face the Lakers and then they, would, and they would lose the first round to the Dallas Mavericks. So, this is another one where I, th- I think it's gonna be a lot closer of a series than a lot of people think. I, I, I guess the, I guess he is going six or seven, but I think the Mavericks, I think, have a good, a good shot at, at, at taking down this, this Clippers team. But they're going to have obviously play really good basketball over over seven game series. But I mean, you know, be, being a being a a five seed in the Western Conference is no small feat. This is a good basketball team. I think they got a shot.
3: Yeah, I think Tim Hardaway Jr. is the key. Um, you know, Luca is going to do Luca. You know, Porzingis is going to do him. If he can have some depth scoring, Dallas is. I mean, they're a top ten offensive team in the league um it kind of they're kind of same thing as Portland if they don't play good enough defense they're fucked but if they play good enough offense they can beat anybody at any night uh James Eric is not here so you get the clip show what you were like right on it so Clippers what do they what do they need to do to come back in this series
0: and what do they need to do to beat the Dallas Mavericks I was on it because the Clippers are my pick to win it all this year Um, So Tyler mentioned it earlier, they have the talent, they have the personnel, but what they were lacking in game one was urgency. They came into this game kind of thinking that it's the Mavericks will kind of walk all over them. So I think losing game one was a good shot in the arm for them. It makes them change their perspective on a Mavericks team. Um, They also, they forced a lot of shots. They didn't take what the defense gave them. They literally walked up and shot it right in their faces. Doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But that's when I was overconfident. Like PG took way too many damn contested stats. And Taron Liu said in a press conference, he, he openly criticized his uh, his shot selection. And I think that'll get through him and they'll work more on the offense and take what the defense gives them. And hopefully that'll, you know, pay dividends over time. Uh, you guys, Alex, you hit right on the head. Um, earlier, you had asked me about the Mavs a couple, months, a couple weeks ago. You asked me how far they were going to go. And I said, it's not going to matter what Luca does because Luca's going to do whatever he's going to do. Like, you can't stop that. It's going to – the supporting characters are going to matter the most, and that's Porzingis and Tim Hardaway, which I'd mentioned earlier – you guys had mentioned earlier. That's going to be on them. That being said, I think game one for the Mavs was was an anomaly. I mean, they shot damn near 50% from three. That's not going to happen every single night. Like, that's impossible to happen multiple times a night. Nobody's that good. Steph Curry's not that good in a game situation. It's not going to happen again. So if the Clippers take better shots – and the Mavericks have a regression to the norm of probably a 42 to 41% uh, three-point shooting, then I think the Clippers take this one.
3: Yeah, this, we talked about this a couple of times in the hockey segment last week. This kind of feels like one of those trap series that it wouldn't be all that surprising if the Clippers lost the Mavericks, but it feels like they shouldn't. Um, For a worry for Clipper Nation, Paul George played like shit in the playoffs last year trade. I mean, trade James, you pretty much just said Paul George not doing his best. He could be forcing it, you know, after his performance last year, you know, he's one of the big stars in this team. He needs to prove himself. Cause it's kind of like the same thing. Kawhi's is going to do Kawhi. If Paul George and the rest of that team can do what they got to do, the Clippers are almost unbeatable. So, um, and it kind of also feels like what the Lakers went through last year. You know, they were the one seed. They lost to Portland in game one. And we all were like, uh-oh, is this something to worry about? And then they came back and won four straight. It wouldn't surprise me if this is a five-game series and the Clippers win the next four. Um, it also wouldn't surprise me if this goes seven. Um, Luka's got another year underneath him. Um, it'll be a fun series. For Eric's sake, I hope that the Clippers do better this year because um, he was so sad last year <laughs> um, moving on to the very last one and then we'll have the boys pick their um, NBA Finals champions we've got the Memphis Grizzlies as the eight, surprising eight seed against the number one Utah Jazz um, I saw this tweet earlier that I feel like their um, team should be switched like it should be the Memphis Jazz and the Utah Grizzlies because like yeah I don't think I don't think there's a whole lot of grizzly bears in Tennessee but you know, Whatever. Yeah, I just thought that was funny. Um, okay, I'm going to talk about Memphis because uh, nobody wanted to talk about them. But they won. They won game one. John Morant carried them through the play-in tournament, and they beat Utah in game one. Uh, Donovan Mitchell did not play for the Utah Jazz, and he was pissed. Um, I think this Me- this Memphis team, we just talked about it at the beginning of this basketball segment. You want to come in playing hot. They came in playing hot. They had to win two games to get into the big dance. They're now in the big dance and they knocked off the number one seed, Utah jazz. Do I think Memphis can beat Utah in a seven game series? No, but I do think they can make it fun. And John Morant is one of my favorite players right now. He is so much fun to watch. Um, they're going to need, they're going to need everyone to score. They're going to need to play better, good defense. They're going to need to shoot. Well, um, if they do that, I think the series can go a long way, but everything kind of needs to fall right for Memphis. Um, and Utah, you know, they're sort of like the Suns, and they were, they've were they had the best record in basketball, but no one is really considering them a championship-caliber team right now, and that sort of feels hurtful to them, I guess, because they're the one seed. They played great basketball all year long. Um, so do I think Memphis can beat the Utah Jazz? No, but I think it could be fun to watch. Uh, trade-in, finish this off. What do the Jazz need to do to even up the series, and what do they need to do to – to uh, beat Memphis. Yeah. So look,
2: the last game I think was a little bit, I'll, I'll say it's a little bit fluky among, among the fact that the jazz just didn't play. It just didn't play insp- inspiring basketball. Um, they turned over the ball way too much. Um, and you know, that that's a huge, <laughs> that, that, that's a huge thing when you're, when, when you're given a team that has nothing to lose a little bit of life, the, a, t- a good team will take it regardless of how, you know, how skilled they are. A team that has has fought to be where they are is gonna take that and run with it, and they did. Um, we can look at the jazz making 25% uh, of their threes in the game. I mean that's that's way below um, th- that's their second worst shooting performance of the entire season. So that, we can only imagine we can only um, expect that to be improved. I, th- it, I mean, look, if you, if you if they miss or if they make you know a handful more, or, you know, a few more than they won the game. So, you know, it's a, that's a huge thing. Uh, They need to, they need to be better at, at, you know, in the rebounds. I think that they just weren't aggressive enough. They just didn't play inspiring basketball. And I think that that, I think that that's really at the, the the crux of it. Uh, And it kind of happens when, you know, they're top seed. I think maybe they took, I think they thought the Grizzlies were a little bit below them maybe and just didn't play, you know, a great game. But remember um, I have a stat stat guy. Uh, the number one seeds lost game one last season. Uh, and then the one, then they each won their next eight combined with an average 15 points per contest. So, um, yeah, it's, it, I think it's just kind of a fluke, uh, maybe a little bit of nerves brushing off the rust that they're going to be okay. I think they're going to win. Um, and you know, the, the, they'll, they'll move on. It it was just an embarrassing, ugly home loss. I I think you just got to chalk it up to that, get over it. And, um, you know, Realize what you did wrong, turn it around, and I think they'll be fine.
3: Yeah, and it does look like Donovan Mitchell will play game two, um, which is on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Utah fans, you probably don't need to be worried. It kind of sounds a lot like what James was just saying about the Clippers. They they did not come out and play very well. Maybe they did think that Memphis was a little bit beneath them. I think what we've learned during this whole thing is whichever team shoots the best from three is going to win the NBA championship. I don't know. We talked for an hour and we probably could have just, I could have said one sentence and we could have done. But hey, here we are. Um, okay. Final thing, boys. I want you to pick your two conference winners and then who is the NBA champion? Uh, Aiden, let's start with you.
2: Um, we'll say Clippers, Bucks,
0: and the Bucks are going to win. James. I was, I'm also going to go with Clippers and Bucks and the Clippers are going to take that one. Ty Ty Ty.
1: I'm going to go Lakers and uh, uh, 76ers, uh, but the 76ers will win the championship.
3: Okay. I'm going to go Bucks. God, I don't like any of the teams out of the West winning. <laughs> um, I'm going to go Bucks, Clippers also, but I'm going to have the Bucks winning this time around. Um, I know that was a long one, but there we go. Uh, we're getting into the first round. By next week, some of these series will be done some of them won't be um but james that's that's what i got for this week
0: oh man i love it you guys remember when uh we had that conversation a while back about donovan mitchell and i was going to be back in like a couple days and play just as well as he was prior to injury tyler that never happened he still has yet to play so if you listen to anything tyler just said he's wrong about all those things anyway continue to stay tuned and see if we're actually right except for tyler Uh, We're going to take another quick break and return. Trayden is going to go into depth about the NHL playoffs and his Oilers. It's going to be a big one. A lot of emotions. Be right back. (laughs) Welcome back. Remember how in the intro I talked about Trayden being emotional about the Oilers and crying and breaking his computer? Well, it's going to come to this apex right about now. trading it's all you, man.
2: Yes. So, but I'm not going to get into the emotional stuff quite yet. Um, I'm going to save that for towards the end. I don't want to, you know, open up my segment on a, on a bad note. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and give you my long winded discussion about my edmonton oilers we're going to start over the east we're just going to kind of give everybody a refresher on on how the playoffs are are shaping out there are a couple teams that have already advanced um and i mean i don't think that we are necessarily surprised we're maybe a little bit surprised by one of them being so being that short uh and that's the one well that one will be the second one we talk about um but you know we the other one was not surprising at all. <laughs> so, uh, let's start over at the East. Uh, we have the, the first seed Pittsburgh Penguins tr- now trailing the New York Islanders three to two in that series. They have just traded games back and forth. And this last game went to second overtime, um, where the Islanders took the, took the game. And I was just thinking th- that game that I, c- I, I really couldn't believe a- in a scenario how the Islanders could, could, you know, win this series. I just, they were getting, they were getting beat all over the ice. Their goaltending is really just keeping them in. I don't know, uh, Tyler, have you, have you caught any of the, of the games between the Islanders and Penguins?
1: I caught a little bit of some of the overtimes, Um, but yeah, I mean, the the Islanders are doing their thing where they just, they come in and they're not, they're not going to wow you, you know, and they're, but they're going to find a way to win. They're just one of those hockey teams that just grind it out. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're in come playoff time. They just have that, factor in them that makes them competitive even on paper this penguins team should be throttling this islanders team and it's just not yes. happening um and they're up in the series and they're a game away from ad- ad- advancing to-, to play boston it'd be crazy you know it's i mean that that's hockey uh it- it's it's su- it's such a crap shoot in the playoffs which i'm sure we'll, we'll talk about a-, a-, a lot this segment but uh, yeah i mean it 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 surprises me but it also doesn't at the same time because it's just it's the way the islanders play they find a way to just grind out wins
2: yeah. I mean, th- th- that's just kind of, that's just kind of the way that Barry Trotz plays his games. Right. And I mean, I want to, I want to point to one to one stat that I think is absolutely flooring. Uh, Ilya Sorokin, the goaltender for the Islanders is at a 0.944 save percentage that's before today's. And I was just trying to look up what his save percentage was after this game. He is absolutely been phenomenal and I think that he's a huge, if not the main reason that they're even there. Um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, be straight up with you guys on that one. Uh, something that, I mean, James, I just wanted to point out the top line in uh, in rust and uh, rust uh, uh, Crosby. And uh, did they have, I think they, have. I'm not sure if they have Kapanen up there. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. is a Kapanen. Yeah. They haven't played very well. I mean, offensively, do you do you worry about that for this team? I mean, do you think that they can figure
0: something out in this game six to, you know, force a game seven? Yeah. Sidney Crosby is going to be clutch there. Um, You mentioned the top line, but honestly, I don't think that they haven't been there offensively all the way, but it's not all on them. Since i Malkin's been back, he hasn't been great Mm -hmm. and he's taking time away from Jeff Carter and Mm -hmm. Jeff Carter has been stellar since he arrived in Pittsburgh. And I honestly think Jeff Carter needs more time than Malkin does, because Malkin is not 100. percent He says his knee is good, but he sure as hell does not look like it. The dude committed like so many penalties and so many turnovers, not this game, but the last game where they lost five to one. Like it, he's he doesn't look comfortable out there. Mm-hmm. He's doing more harm than good. Jeff Carter needs more time. Put Jeff Carter there more often. He's been done, he's done nothing but good things since he got to Pittsburgh. Let him keep hey. producing.
2: I wholeheartedly agree. Um, Alex, are you surprised by Jeff Carter's incredible play?
3: No, fuck no. Jeff Carter's the kid. Uh <laughs> No, but no, I mean, a little bit, but he's got 12 goals in 19 games or something like that. Um, I think he's got three in these playoffs already. You know, he's not, he does definitely does not have the pedigree of Malkin, but James is right. Malkin has been hurt. He's, you know, still getting his legs underneath him, whatever it may be. He may be healthy but he's not playing up to the level that he should be. Um, These games have all been close, and that's what the Islanders want. Other than game four, they've all been one-goal games. We've got two OT games in this series. If you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, you want to be blowing the Islanders out in these games. Like, you want to be scoring a lot of goals, and they haven't been. And I think you're right. The Islanders goalie is one of the main reasons that they're doing so well. Um, I think this can go to game seven, and I hope it does because we're not looking like a ton of them are going to go to game seven in round one. So I'm hoping that series does.
2: I agree with you, uh, James, to your point, um, to, to be fair, I, I just looking at the stats and I think that you could probably, you know, continue, I take your advice and even expand it, but Jeff Carter ha- does have a higher average time on ice over the last four games relative to Malkin's two um, by four minutes. But I, I guess that they're seeing the same thing. Malkin's just not there yet. Um, so I mean, in this and last and, game,
0: Morgan yeah. has three more minutes than Carter. There you go.
2: So, so the, the, the average probably is going to balance out. This is mind you, these that's are a little bit stale from the heads don't, don't have today's games updated. Um, just before I, um, I ask you guys who you think is going to win the series. Tristan Jari has a point nine zero four save percentage against a team that doesn't get very many shots against a team that's defensively minded. That's not a recipe for success. So, um, I can I, unless they can find a guy who can make a save, don't be surprised if the Islanders win the series somehow. Um, and again, this is nine Oh four. This is before today's game. So um, excuse me if I'm a
1: little stale, uh, James, who's going to win the series penguins penguins, Tyler. Um, I'm going to go with the Islanders on this one. Upset first round.
2: Upset first round, Alex. Penguins, Jeff Carter's the goat. Oh, I love it. Um, I think think that the next game is going to be another one goal game. And um, I'm going to say Pittsburgh forces game seven. And I think they they can pull out a win in the, uh, in the series. Um, Moving on to the series that ended Um, the Boston Bruins. I guess you could say upset the Washington Capitals. If you look at the seeds, but we thought that these two teams were pretty close. I mean, I, in terms of their team makeup uh, is anybody here, surprised that Boston, I guess the biggest surprise was they, was they won in five games. Is anybody surprised by the, you know, shocking, I mean, I, and, and the fact that Boston went four games in a row um, after dropping the first game in overtime three uh, before I, before I finish my question, there's three games straight. that went to overtime. Uh, the first three games did. So they're all very close one goal games. Um, some crazy stat bef- um, before the game four, where it was a four, one game. And this last one was a three, one game. These two teams had had 13 straight one goal games since they've seen each other over the, over the course of playoffs and the regular seasons. That's absolutely insane. These two teams were very closely matched. James, were you surprised that Boston w- found a way to close it out so quickly?
0: No, it, Taylor Hall effect right there. <laughs> he re-energized that team. I mean, it, he adds a different dimension that wasn't there before. It's a different style of play that people don't really account for. Mm-hmm. And he's producing at a higher level because of it. Mm-hmm. Cause they, defenses are set up in a way to defend what they think is the Bruins game plan. And then Taylor Hall comes up out of nowhere and just completely disrupts that and throws it away. It throws defenses for a loop and it's working really well right now. Yes. And that, that perfection line is always going to produce. So I ain't worried about that one, but it, that Taylor Hall effect, man, it's crazy.
2: Yeah um I, I i agree with that they he, they do add the depth scoring that they needed that that top line is doing their job the top line the perfection line we call it the pasternak badger bergeron marsh line have are are completely doing their job no problems there and they're finally getting um depth scoring from the likes of taylor hall and jake DeBrusk has 3 points i'm a huge i'm jake DeBrusk brand. um his father is our uh uh color analyst and I, and, and I really like him and I, because he was a former oiler and I really like Jake DeBrusque. I really hope that he becomes an oiler in his future. Um, Tyler, I want to ask you about the, the goaltending for Washington. Um, and I guess overall, you know, rate, they ended this this uh, series with a 0.908 say percentage among the three of them, which is awful. Um, do, you, do you think, I mean, how concerned are you for this team going forward after that pretty
1: dismal display of goaltending (laughs) yeah i mean that's what i talked about last week is you know i think i think that was boston's edge in this matchup was the lack of experience and on the goaltending side of things for for washington and yeah it is a concern um i mean the goaltending is so important i mean it it, it's pretty obvious but you know having guys that that show up i mean it's 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 their first for a few of the guys you know their their first posting postseason experience so i think that they still have some talent there that that they can develop but um yeah, that's going to be a huge need. They're going to have to address whether they're going to develop some of those guys if they're, if they're going to bring someone in, um, because that performance is just not going to win you championships. This is not. Um, so, yeah, that, that that that's going to be probably their number one priority going in the offseason.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree, and um, I I won't I won't bore us with the details um, talking about the Washington offseason. I w- there will be a time for that in this in the uh, in the offseason. Um, Alex bef- uh, I wanted to ask you about the Boston Bruins um, is this team going to be the Eastern conference or the Eastern division winner just given their strong play.
3: I didn't pick them to go that far um, but uh, what's your name James is right. The Taylor Hall effect is real apparently didn't know that could actually be a thing In- um, In- but right but right now. I mean, granted, they that series they could have been down three nothing. They went to two OT games. Obviously, um, if the Capitals had better goaltending, it might have. They, this could we could be talking about something completely different right now. True. Sure. Um, but that top line and now that they have the, I mean, we talked about that the last you know coming into the coming into the playoffs. Okay, that top line's great. What else have they got? And now they've got it. You know. So Boston, it feels like they're the best team out in the East right now, mm-hmm. but it's, it's the playoffs. Who knows? Um, and on the Capitol side, disappointing ends. And this could be a really interesting off season for them.
2: It, it really could. And I really want to get into that in the, in the off season. I think that that team might be blown up. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, this is I agree. Early I round. actually really think there might. Yeah. Um, there, there's some issues there. Um, so I'm not going to ask you who's going to win the division or win the series. It's Boston. obvious.
3: <laughs> um, I, Boston, at I a think
2: Boston too. Tukarask at a .941 say percentage is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I, I, w- I would be very intrigued to see this team play the Islanders and what a goaltending um, battle that would be. Um, so there, that is the East for you guys. It is halfway done. Um, We'll see next week if, uh, if it's going to end, well, it will end Pittsburgh or, or New York will be the team to, to move on. It will be over before our next uh, pod. So moving on to the central um, talking about the closer one of the two uh, talking about the Carolina first seed Carolina is tied with the with the, with the fourth seed Nashville predators, two to two. What a scrappy, scrappy team from from these Nashville Predators, winning two back-to-back games in second overtime. That's an extra 80 minutes of hockey, almost 80 minutes of hockey. Um, Alex, I, I, I thought Carolina had this in the bag. Are you worried if you were – would you be worried if you were a Carolina Hurricanes fan?
3: I thought Carolina had it in the bag too. Uh, I picked them as my Stanley Cup champion, so I'm not super loving these last two right. games. When these games went into OT, I was like, okay, Nashville, you're a little little feisty, a little scrappy. Okay, okay, okay. They lost game three. That's not that big of a deal. Oh, they lost game four? Interesting. (laughs) Um, To be honest, no. I mean, the Predators, we just talked about the basketball segment. The Predators did have to fight their way in uh, to get into the playoffs. And we, you know, we think those basketball tournaments, they won some games. Um, I still think the Hurricanes are just too good to, to lose this series to the Predators. But we said that about Tampa and Columbus, you know, that happened two years ago. Tampa was the best team, regular season team ever, and then got swept. Um, On a scale of one to 10, my worry, if if I'm a Carolina Hurricanes fan, is like a four. Um, Mm -hmm. If they lose game five tomorrow, it jumps up to about an eight. (laughs) Um, But obviously, because they lost both those games in OT, um, I, I still think that Carolina is just too good to, to lose to the Nashville Predators. Um, But it also kind of wouldn't surprise me all that much. I mean, it would surprise me, but I could see the Predators just scrapping their way into a win uh, in the win of the series. Yeah. Uh, James, you're
2: chomping at the bit. I said, Predators and your eyes lit up. How are you feeling? I know you'd really like to follow the Predators. How are you feeling about this team? And do you think, and what do you think it is that's giving them this, you know, th- giving them the a chance to upset the Carolina Hurricanes here.
0: Yeah. I feel like a genius. You got yeah, a little you bit of that Alex complex going on right now. You are. Uh, oh, <laughs> thanks, bud. Yeah, I got you. It's, I mean, the fact of the matter is like, y'all didn't see this shit coming. Nobody saw this coming. Not like I said, they're probably going to lose, but it'd be fun to put up a fight and they're putting up a fight, man. Like I texted you the other day. You got got is scrappy. They're, I think that eight shots on goal in that first period and scored on two of them. Like, those goals do not look good. They're not something that you put in a highlight reel. They're kind of lucky. But as I mentioned before, luck is preparation, is where preparation means opportunity. And they've been prepared for the last couple of months. Alex just mentioned, they've been playing playoff hockey for the last couple of months. And their opportunity to bring that experience and that intensity and that depth is coming to fruition right now. So that luck is that preparation opportunity coming together. And those goals, man, they may seem lucky, but they've done some shit to earn it. Mm-hmm. Talk about could it be karma? I don't I don't know. Could it could be some other force, I don't know. The Preds should not be anywhere in this series. The Hurricanes are a much better team through and through. Um, but the fact of the matter is they're still up there battling because they're not giving up, and their leaders are doing the same exact thing. You got Ryan Ellis and Roman Yossi, those two have been on there for a long time. And I mean, Ellis is leading them with four points. It does not seem like a lot of points. Four points is not a lot, Jim playoffs. Oh, that that's a lot, that's a pointy game. That's a point of game that that's a lot. So he's doing a lot right there to you know do his thing. <laughs> and then <laughs> Roman, Roman Yossi is leading with time on ice, and those are your two leaders who are producing and using that leadership on the ice and helping you right then and there. And I'd mentioned last week that UC Saros thing, dude is killing it, man. He's making incredible saves left and right. He's keeping yes. them in game single handedly because the defense wow. isn't always there. they I mean, UC Saros is taking shot after shot after shot after shot, and he's he's making those saves and it's incredible to see um i want the preps to take this series so bad (laughs) i'm really really hoping for it
2: yeah um it's pretty amazing i think uc saros to your point is is a huge part of where they are um tyler i guess that begs the question i mean i i'm seeing that the the top guys so your svechnikovs uh, Aho does have five points, um, but Sveshnikov is a big question mark. He he has one goal, and he's kind of and ha- kind of has the ability to to take over a game in you know every now and then, and ha- and has a shot that's that's incredible. Are you worried about the, this the Carolina team's ability to score because it's it's they have they they are well out shooting the the Nashville Predators by a pretty wide margin, and they just can't find the back of the net. Are you concerned about that?
1: Um. I'm kind of similar Alex. I'm not super concerned. Another loss or so. Yeah. I'm going to start getting concerned. I mean, this, this, this Carolina hurricane hurricanes team has such a well-balanced scoring attack. I think eventually those pucks will find the back of the net. Um, for me, it's more on, 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 the defensive side that they need to shore up. They let two goals in the first two games of the series and they let nine in in, in the two games in, in, in Nashville. So that right there needs to change. So obviously the, the Preds made their adjustment, you know, the, Hurricanes got, got hit in the in, in the in the mouth a little bit, you know, we'll we'll, we'll see how they adjust back. I think this this Hurricanes team is is too good to kind of let those ebbs and flows get the best of them. They they they're, they're, they're going to stay level-headed and I think that they'll that, that that they'll figure it out. So, um, obviously, you know, putting shots on on goal is always a good thing, but at the end of the day, it's has more goals than their team. Um, but I, I I do think that the Hurricanes will will eventually win it. I just think they're too good of a team. Um, but the Preds, as as you guys have mentioned, I mean they're 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 going to put up a fight, and I think it's going to be a great series.
2: Yeah. Um, well, you answered my my final question. You think Carolina is going to take it, Alex? What do you think?
3: Yeah, they have to because they're my Stanley Cup champion. So
2: Carolina will win this. Will win James, I'm going to make a guess that you have Nashville winning this series.
0: Yeah, I do.
3: At a
2: boy, hey, you know, I think
0: that you know. I'm not betting on it. But don't, so don't even,
3: oh, of course no. I mean, not. Nashville, Nashville did get me 50 bucks from James. So, like, <laughs> there you go. If they if they lose, if they win, I won't be too upset about it. No,
0: that that takes the true.
3: 50 bucks.
2: Um, that is very true. <laughs> um, and you know, you can you can change your mind on who you think is going to win based on the information that you have at any given time. And and Nashville's putting up quite a fight. Um, I moving on to the other, the, the battle of Florida, the other, uh, the second seed Florida Panthers are trailing the Tampa Bay lightning three to two after quite a, a shock to me, a shocking, um, um, answer to what, what, what after that first game, we, I talked you know, to at length at the first game, the lightning completely have been dominating. The Panthers. I know that the one game was an OT game, but just watching the Tampa Bay Lightning play, it, they just seem like it. They just nah. That first game was just a little rust. Wait, let, let me uh. You know, it was a one goal game. They just didn't. They just didn't quite. You know, bring in their their A game. And oh, they have. They really really have. Um, you know, winning three, one, the next game, six to two game four. Yes, they did give up a a loss to the Florida Panther or to the Panthers today, four to one. And the Panthers looked like they were fighting back. Maroon took a very stupid penalty at the end of the game. And I, I would assume he is actually, he may face suspension. I don't know. I haven't really, I didn't, haven't really heard about that. Um, Tyler, I wanted to ask you, do the Panthers have a chance to force game seven against these, the mighty Tampa Bay Lightning?
1: Yeah, they have a chance. Uh, I don't think they will, though. I think I think the Tampa Bay Lightning, um, as you mentioned, they, they've come back and they responded. But, you know, the, the, this Panthers team ain't going away. I mean, they were one of the best mm-hmm. teams, and I think we had them finishing in our top five in the power rankings, I believe, at the end, 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 yeah. end, of, the, end of the season. So, I mean, this Florida Panthers team, they're, they're going to come out and fight, and they're not going down. But, I mean, this Tampa Bay Lightning team, man, I, I've always had them, I think, higher than a lot of you guys have had just because I feel like they are – I mean, they won the Stanley Cup last year for a reason they are a championship quality hockey team and they're going to show it when the light shines the brightest and that's, and that's happening right now. And yeah, they, they, they lost game game five. um, But I'm not too worried about it. I think they're going to come back game six and finish this thing up.
2: Yeah. Um, Alex, I wanted to ask you, these are high scoring affairs. I mean, these are high scoring games. Vasilevsky is at a 0.919 save percentage, which is not bad, but it's not Vasilevsky are are you worried about them are you worried about if t- assuming Taba Bay moves on are you
3: worried about them going forward i mean a a little bit i mean best it's been five games he's given up seventeen goals i mean if you were if i mean if you would say, if I told you hey trade in game by game five fastest team you have seventeen goals, do you think they'd be up three to two no I mean probably not I guess a very good Florida team um so I am, I am a little worried. I mean, he's given, I mean, he's given up four, five, six goals in games. And that is very un baskaleski mm-hmm. of him, whatever, of him. Um, so moving forward a little bit. Yeah. Because if you end up meeting Carolina, well, I'm sorry. When you end up meeting Carolina <laughs> in, <laughs> in the next round, that's a very, you know, Tyler just said it. That's a very skilled scoring team. Um, I'm a little worried, uh, but I, I think Tampa will will be able to finish this out. the the game three one is kind of a, it hurts though. They scored five goals in the second and then lost an OT. with, like the only the third team ever or something like that to score five goals in a in a one period in a playoff series and then lose that game. This could have been a sweep. It was this close to being a sweep, and now the Panthers have some life, and you know Barkoff and Huberdeau can can carry this team, and they've got a shot.
2: uh, Yeah, I I agree. Um, I I wanted to ask James. Kucherov has nine points. Killorn has seven. Victor Hedman has seven. Steven Stamkos has six. Is this one of the greatest (laughs) offensive teams (laughs) in the in the league currently? I mean, and and, oh, mind you, this is Kucherov's four first four games of the season. And he has nine points.
0: This is exactly why I thought Ryan Ellis having four points was not a lot. Because I saw stats like this. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. And I mean, Nathan McKinnon had nine points too. Like, I was like, oh, four points is nothing. No, it, it is. I
2: mean, point per game is, all, is pretty damn good.
0: Uh, to answer your question, yeah, dude. Uh, I don't Actually, I don't know if it's a function of great offense or poor goaltending because uh, the Panthers as a whole have. Fair enough. Like, 0.856 yep. eight percentage. Like, that's bad. That's bad. That's really, really, really bad. Holy Bob was not doing his job, bro. Being oh, aware worth that, he went with that multi million dollar deal that that is not showing right now. He is in trains where literal Swiss cheese. Um <laughs> <laughs> so I mean in years past, yes, they've been a great offense. Um, I don't think that this is a good test to determine if that offense is still the same. Fair enough. Move on to the next round and when you're against the Preds when you see Soros, <laughs> then we'll know.
2: Fair enough, uh, James. Who do you have winning this series? Lightning. Uh, uh, Tyler. Uh, yeah, I so saw Lightning. And Alex. Yeah, I've got, I've got the Lightning. I I, th- I think given the, given the Panthers' um, scrappy game, I think they may force a game seven. But at the end of the day, Tampa's just gonna is it, 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 either whether it's six or seven, Tampa's gonna come out. I mean, they they after that first game something clicked and that's what sometimes happens to good teams. And I think this goes back to Alex, your segment, the jazz just needed to lose that game. You wait and they're just going to go off. Like, it's just, it's just how it goes. Um, and so with that, um, we are going to move on to the West. We're going to keep this very short. Um, the first uh the first seed Carolina, Carolina, Colorado Avalanche swept the St. Louis blues. I'm just going to keep this brief is uh, James. Are you surprised?
0: no dude i mean like honestly the abs scored almost scored more goals in one game than the blues did the entire series i mean the abs had a game with six goals and then the uh, blues had seven goals all series long like kind of crazy
2: yeah um i, I guess i want to i guess <laughs> there's not much to say i don't really want to spend much time on this one um i i guess i want to ask tyler if you were the avalanche who do, would you rather play minnesota or vegas
1: uh, I mean, in terms of an easier path to the uh, – or path forward, I would want to rather, pay, rather play Minnesota. But you want to take down the best, you know, and you want, to, you want that matchup against the Vegas Golden Knights. And I think hockey wants it. And I think if you're Colorado, you're going to want that one too um, just because you're going to want to have that series in hand and to, you know, look back on this. If you're – you know, you're, obviously you're going to want to win the Stanley Cup. You look back on that, on that uh, round you yeah um but uh and you're gonna say we beat probably you know probably the best team in the in the western conference other than our, our ourselves um so yeah i mean i think i think i think they're gonna want to play vegas i think just from a competitive standpoint
2: yeah i i would i would i would probably agree with that um I think I think either way you slice it, um, I, I honestly and we'll get to this. I do think Colorado is going to face Vegas, and I think it's going to be probably the 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 tightest um, series that we'll see this at least in the first two rounds. Um, I think that it's just going to it's it's going to be such a dogfight, and I'm and I'm going to love every minute of it. Um, I wanted to ask Alex about the Blues. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly has three, had three points. Robert Thomas, which I think is their second line center had three points. Those are their top score top point getters. And I think that less over half didn't even register a point. I mean, is this, is this a team that is going to be blown up as well?
3: They kind of have to, I think the biggest problem is their best, their actual best player is Vladimir Tarasenko. And he is, he might be done. Like, he might be done just with his career. He's had, I think it's three shoulder surgeries now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not, as it's multiple. Um, and he's, I mean, maybe, maybe Ryan O'Reilly is their best player, but he's their best goal scorer on that team. And he was terrible. Um, I think it is. It's crazy how they won the cup two years ago. And, yeah, they might, they might blow it up. Um, it, I mean, they. let's be real they had a zero percent chance of beating the abs like yeah they were the abs are just so good um i yeah it's probably time to blow it up and that kind of sucks ryan o'reilly who you know he comes there he wins the cup in his first year and then the team goes downhill and now they might blow it up um you know after he spent time in buffalo so that's never fun um yeah blow
2: it up St. Louis. sorry i I have all the time in the world for ryan o'reilly i love ryan o'reilly jordan bennington i think is a one-hit wonder um, I, I don't yeah, think that true, they're going to be able to, like to that. pull that. To, uh, he hasn't shown anything since that run.
0: Um, Didn't they just give him chain. a shit it ton of happens. money?
2: was
3: that? Didn't they just give him a crap ton of money? Yes.
2: Man, Dude, I, like I like
0: feel money. like goalies like running backs. Like, once you pay them, they don't do well.
2: <laughs> like closers and baseball. I can't – yeah. I, I, yeah. That's a good
3: comp, <laughs> actually.
2: Like, yeah. uh, I mean, you, you could – I mean, I'd have to go back in history. There's going to be some exceptions to that rule. Um, I office, think obviously, obviously, yeah. it gets paid quite a bit, but um, I, th- I think you're right. I think you're right on that. Um, and it's then that's really unfortunate. Um, Moving on to the other team, uh, other series in the West that is going on right now, and I believe the Minnesota, Minnesota is beating Vegas three to one, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the, the second seed Vegas Golden Knights are beating the Minnesota Wild. I believe it's a three. I believe that series is three to one, uh, unless barring anything that happens, you know, barring what happens today. So the Wilds are facing elimination. They are up three to one after the first period. Um, Alex, I'm going to keep this uh, simple.
3: Can the Wild force a game six today? Game six, yeah, hundred percent Unfortunately, though, two, two goal leads in hockey are the worst leads. That's a they true are. fact. Unless um, you the Oilers I, in his three. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do think they can. Um, Caril the Thrill, did get his first playoff goal, so that's a good thing. Um, you know, if he gets, if he's only getting his first one in game five. Um, I think they can force a game six. Unfortunately, I don't think they've got enough to beat Vegas. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, James, I was concerned about Vegas' ability to score after that first game. Uh, that, was a, that was a you know, 0-0 game until, the, until one shot made it, a uh, you know, forced the Wild to win, and then Vegas went goes on this crazy streak. Are you surprised that they, I, I, I guess, are you surprised that they, you know, finally found their scoring, or were you kind of worried early on as well?
0: I think I was worried early on, mostly because of last, you know, in the bubble they didn't score either. So it's kind of like, oh, is this going to be Vegas's thing where they don't score in the playoffs? But, I mean, that was quickly rebuffed. Uh, Mark Stone has a point per game because he has four points right now. Um, the fact of the matter is, like, that would be okay. I think they're just messing with the Wild. <laughs> like they have a shot because Vegas can easily flip the switch and just dominate them.
2: Yeah. Um, the the, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have ten goals, four, and the uh, the Wild have four. Through before today. Before today. So um they had yeah. four goals. <laughs> yeah. Well no, now they have seven. Day. So they've almost yeah. doubled it. <laughs> uh Tyler, Marc Andre Furry has a point nine six six save percentage. <laughs> I know it's way early, but is he is he on track for
1: the con Smythe already? <laughs> uh yeah, furry is on smart it's on track. <laughs> the uh the on Smythe, uh, yeah, dude, this this dude's amazing. He continues to to, to defy Father Time. I mean, he, he the, the way he's going. I mean, you gotta look back. He's probably you know one of the greatest you know of of all time to to play goalie in the in the in the, in the National Hockey League. I mean, he's killing it. He like I said, every, everyone every, every year, is like always oh, he's, he's gonna be too old. He's not gonna be able to do well, and he just shuts and he shuts it down. Um, and you just you gotta respect a guy like that. You know. He's the Phil Mickelson of, uh, the, 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 the NHL right now, old guy, just kicking everyone else's ass. I love it. That
2: was arguably the best. Yeah, that, was, that was fantastic. Yeah. That was I really great. Either. Oh, I, and I know this isn't a golf segment, but really congratulations to Phil Mickelson winning that the PGA championship. That was phenomenal. Um, especially as a left-handed golfer, it really, <laughs> really means a lot. Your boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah. Look, I am gonna keep I'm gonna keep this simple. I don't I think Minnesota maybe forces Game Six, but then it's gonna be over. I think I think James, you got a point. I think they're just 20 with them at this point. Um, and and um, and I think that Flurry's easily on his on the track for for Smythe. Let's go around the horn quickly, um, uh, James. Who's gonna win the series? Vegas. Yeah, Alex. Vegas. Vegas and Colorado. Tyler, we're gonna see Vegas and Colorado. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna see Vegas, Colorado. <laughs> um, finally, moving on to the to the north. Oh, okay. Let's start with the <laughs> with the one that I actually haven't got to catch much. I saw a little bit of today's game, um, the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, and the Montreal Canadiens. Um, I they they did finish their game, and Toronto is leading two to one after after um, winning their game today two to one. Um, James, are Look, your Habs are are fighting a, a good are playing a good team. They're playing a really good team offensively, uh, but these games have been fairly close. Uh, are you know? I guess for the most part, do you how how do you feel about your Habs going into Game
0: Four? Dude, they they piss me off. <laughs> and they they piss me off a lot okay. because this their losses and their bad play is self inflicted. They literally can't stay out of the penalty box. Like there was a stretch of time in yesterday's game, or whenever I was. yeah, it was yesterday, Sunday. Um, they were in the penalty box for eight straight minutes. Like they killed the pen- they killed three penalties, but then finally gave up, gave up on the fourth uh, penalty. But dude, like you're not helping Carey Price, you're not helping your defense, you're not helping anybody if you're gonna be a man down for eight straight minutes. That's a lot of tired skaters out there. Mm -hmm. and there's zero defense Carey price is getting pelted with shots left and right i think he has like 20 plus more saves than um the other uh campbell does and it's just ridiculous man it's like there's no offense there i don't know why dominic ducharme decided to sit cole caulfield for the first two games and then put him out for the third game finally like that dude he's a prospect and he's young but he's electric he played in 10 games during the regular season and he had like seven points and you're not going to put him out there for the playoffs Dude, what are you doing, man? I'm, it's an interim job for you. Show out. Give it your yeah. best hand. Yeah. Why are you holding people out? That's crazy it, it, to me.
2: That that is absolutely insane. I I totally agree. Um, you got to have Colt Field out. He he's he's been sensational. In, in, in even in the small sample size, you gotta you gotta play him. You gotta play him. Um, Alex, I don't know if you saw what happened to John Tavares game one. Did you happen to see that?
3: I did see it. Yeah.
2: First of all, it, it was brutal. It was very, I, I, you know, I, I feel for the guy um, my biggest issue with it. And, and incidentally it, ha- it, it, it involved Corey Perry. Imagine that. Did you see the play? I wanted to ask you, do you think that was intentional?
3: No, I do not think that is, that was intentional. Um, I feel like it's pretty, pretty clear that Perry was trying, you know, because Tavares got hit, he was going down, Perry skating by. I feel like it's pretty clear that he was trying to get out of the way, and it was incidental knee-to-head contact. I think if it – I mean, and you probably agree with me. If it wasn't Corey Perry that the, whose knee contacted Tavares's head, the, the question wouldn't really have come up. Um, I'm not a fan of Corey Perry right, uh, being a Kings <laughs> fan um, and him playing for the Ducks for so long but I will give him credit I don't think this was intentional and he did go over um and you know give Tavares a little tap on his way out and I actually I learned I did have no idea but they're actually pretty good friends off the ice um they've come up together through the Canadian youth teams and they've played on national teams together so um no I do not think that was intentional
2: so with that said and I, and Tyler I want you to um ch- chime in on this as well I did you see the play Tyler yes yeah I wanted to ask you, Nick Felino then thought it was right to fight Corey Perry after that. And in any other instance, as soon as I I didn't see the play, but I did see the fight after it. And and immediately before I saw the hit or before I saw the play, I was like, oh, Corey Perry did something dirty. How can one of you guys explain to me how that is worthy of having to answer any kind of bell?
3: Yeah, so. I think, and it's funny that's Nick Felino of all people because he's been in Toronto Maple Leaf for about half a second. Like he got <laughs> traded there later this year or earlier this year, you know. Um, I think it's just one of those things where, again, it, it's kind of the flip flop here where it's Corey Perry, you got to do it. And from what I understand, Felino is like, all right, bro, we're doing this. And Corey, and everyone else is kind of like, yeah, I don't really know if they need to. And Corey Perry's like, I get it. We have to do it. Let's go. So props I don't really hate saying this, but props to Corey Perry because he did it. Um, I don't really think that was warranted of the drug gloves dropping personally. It but I I don't know. Maybe it's just one of those things where it's some hockey code that is sort of this mythical thing. It's sort of like the unwritten rules in baseball where you don't really know what any of it means. And it's kind of it fits into certain categories based on the players and history and all this other crap, but I didn't really think it was uh, necessary to fight, but props, I guess, to Corey Perry for, like, doing it.
1: Tyler, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I, I just to kind of play devil's advocate, I just I think with the emotions of it being game one of the playoffs and it being your captain that goes down, your, your, your best player, incidental or not, you know, I think to get your team kind of back into the fight, because I think you see that and everyone is kind of just, it, it's is, uh, shook by that, right? Mm-hmm. um to kind of get back into the fighting mentality, I think that's why that that was decided and I think you know you know Perry as as uh, Alex said you know kind of kind of just wore it um mm-hmm. so I think he understood that was why well, you know I, I think I don't think there's any misunderstanding of it being intentional or not um I just think this the, given the circumstances of it being John Tavares and it being game one of the playoffs, um, just to kind of get things back to competitive hockey after that scary moment, I think was the reason behind it. I don't think that there was a intentional, I don't, I don't think anyone thought it was intentional. I just think in that situation, that's why it happened.
2: I can buy that. And I think my, my biggest issue about it, and I'm going to be honest, I, the biggest problem that the Toronto Maple Leafs have been known to have is have toughness and have the ability to stand up for a teammate and it's ironic that it happens during a time where it had no warrant no necess- like they didn't they, there was no need for that fight Nick Felino, I I I actually like you as a player. I think that I don't know what you were trying to do or what you were trying to prove. Are you trying to prove that the team now wants now is able to step up for their teammate? Well, this was an instance where Corey Perry was looking up the ice, looking at the play, and and your dude just got hit into him. It was completely fluke. There was no, there was no way that he skated into the into the lane. It was I I I couldn't I was floored by the by the uh, by the fact that there was a fight. And actually, I was a little bit. Um, I was upset by it I, and I'm a, I love fighting. I, I, I enjoy the idea of fighting. I believe that it's, it's part of, it's part of hockey, regardless of what people want to say. And it is meant to, you know, part of it is meant to step up for your teammates when, you know, shit happens and that was not it. And um, it, it just, I think it was bullshit and I hate Corey Perry. I, I would love to see him get punched in the face any day of the week, but there was no more for that. And I think, I just think that was Bush league. I'll be honest with you. Uh, especially in a first playoff game. Um, before I get into a huge rant, James, who is going to win the series?
0: The Habs, man.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're gonna see a little. We're gonna see them at least uh, force a well force a game six at the very least. Uh, Tyler, uh,
1: Toronto, I'm gonna win it.
3: And Alex, I think this is one of those injuries where the team rallies behind it. Toronto's going to win this series
1: yeah I, I believe
2: so um, I think that Toronto's going to win they're the better team and they're playing like it um, okay so here we go should the we all leave come. for this
3: part or like huh? we should all just buckle up you want to just all just play. like kind of walk away for like ten? no 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 minutes. I want you guys to be part
2: of this you, I, I, you know I need this my, okay so um,
0: I'm,
3: <laughs> I'm going to
2: try and keep this uh, you know short and sweet and to the point I'm a huge Oilers fan, as you guys know. um, And I want to use my platform to talk about how disappointed, upset, pissed off, and quite frankly, embarrassed I am to be an Edmonton Oilers fan. The Edmonton Oilers are down three to zero in the series after playing at least the first two games, playing some of the most uninspired hockey I've seen them play all season against, yes, a, a goaltender who is probably the best in the league, but a goaltender that we have proved to be one of the only teams that can. Completely scour him, uh, and we've we've we showed up completely unequipped unequ- to play um, the the to the Jets to to the Jets, um, to, to the Jets uh, credit. They are absolutely playing an Islander style hockey. They are they are shutting down Connor McDavid. They are shutting down Leon Drysital, and Drysital has three points. Connor McDavid has three. Th- those are the two most high scoring um, high scoring players. On, um, on, you know. Uh, on the ice, yes, that is, that is a point per game. But for but for two guys that are really asked to be the heart and soul of the team, the the play that they have that they have shown me uh, for except for saddle's third game is quite despicable. Connor McDavid, you're better than that. You look like an you look like someone I I don't know who you look like. You you don't you aren't playing the 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 hockey that you have proven that you can play. You are not playing as the best player on the ice right now. And I know you're frustrated, and I get that. It is absolutely insane that you would give up a that you would turn over the puck like you did on the boards in a game that you cannot give up the puck in, and have the have the uh, have the Jets turn around and score to I think that was the tying goal, and that and that started the spiral. Okay, I'm going to talk about specifically the third game. Third game was incredible. The Edmonton Oilers looked like one of the best hockey teams I have seen in a long time. For eighty percent of the game, fifty minutes, they looked like they had a they they had a knee on the on the Jets' throat, and they were letting up, and they were going to win that game because they was an it was a game that they absolutely needed to win. And then they started to let up, and then my boy number fifteen, Josh Archibald, happened. Uh, took one of the most boneheaded plays and hits I have ever seen in a game. As, as a player uh, on a team who's winning four to one in a game that you must win, that you are dominating in, that you are controlling completely. You took a bonehead play, took you out of the game, gave, gave, and I, and I mentioned this, you give a team that has nothing else to lose a little bit of life and they will shove it down your fucking throat. You are up four to one and you give up three goals in a matter of three minutes. I am having PTSD from what happened in 2017 against the ducks in the same situation, the only difference is you did it to yourself because two of the goals again in in the Ducks series or in that in that Ducks game were pretty questionable refing calls, and I still am, am, am salty to this day. But you, hundred percent, gave up that game, and you are an embarrassment in the NHL. You my like you don't deserve to even touch the ice with the Winnipeg Jets at this point, and that is in this play is the exact reason why I did not have you making the playoffs. And I wish you hadn't because the last three games have been terrible for me as a fan. And for us, as for us, as Edmonton Oilers fans, because it's year after year that you guys disappoint us. And, you know, it's amazing that for 20, almost 28 years of my life coming out of the womb, I've been an Oilers fan. My dad is from Edmonton. He's been an Oilers fan much longer than me for 50 years now. And he you know, he lived through the, the great 80s when they were an absolute dominant team. Um, they had the greatest player on the planet and they got it done year in and year out. Yes, it is a different league, but they figured out a way. Um, and it, it is just embarrassing to see that a team that has done so well this, this season and probably is in, is in a situation where they have a chance to win their division handedly and show Canada and the NHL that you are the best team in Canada, you sat there and pissed it away. Like it was nothing. You guys are a disgrace. And, um, and, oh, and by the way, Dave Tippett, I am really hoping, I'm almost hoping you get fired because you're co- you have been outcoached every step of the way. And um, yeah, I I do hope you, you know, force a game, a, a game five. I'd love to see another game of, of Edmonton Oilers hockey, I guess. Um, you gave up another one goal lead. You guys are winning three to two and you guys gave it up. So I wouldn't be surprised if you could lose this fucking game and good riddance. I hope you enjoy golfing.
0: That's all I have to say. So to, okay. uh, in conclusion, Traden is not happy. Nope.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. That was a little bit off the cuff. Um, I, you know, I, I, I told the guys that I really wanted my time to, to, to use my platform and speak out. I know that that's never happened. Um, you know, I go on my rants and I, and I enjoy it. Uh, and I have a lot of emotions as a long-term Oilers fan. And that's all I have to say about that. Um, you guys, I think that Tyler and Alex probably would like to do the same if the, if the Dodgers lost maybe the last World Series again. Like they would want to take the time between them and just completely torch them because they break your hearts every fucking year. So, <sighs> hashtag sports.
1: Yeah, Tradin. I was I was gonna say the way you were the emotions that you had in that and everything was that's exactly how I felt about the, about the Dodgers until you know not too recently. So I understand that pain, believe me. And I think all of us here, you know, James, I don't think you've seen your Niners win a Super Bowl in your lifetime, right? So I'm sure there's been a lot close, of, yeah. A-M-M so close. you know, I know. I think we all have have had that pain of being a fan, and there's 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 the highs, but there's also these lows where you just feel like punching a tv and just giving up your fandom and burning all your j- hats and jerseys and all that stuff but hang in there bud they'll hopefully win it at some point
0: <laughs> jade i think that was really healthy you got that all off your chest right yeah. now instead of holding it all in I, I, we I are your therapy the <laughs> mm-hmm. of course man of course <laughs> uh, you know this this therapy. outlet is here for, for any time you know except just by any time I and mean, once a week on mondays at 7 p.m <laughs> that's the only time <laughs> um that being said Great segment, man. Like, <laughs> following basketball with hockey, fantastic all the way through. Um, Chayden has yet to cry or break his computer, so stay tuned for the next segment because right now the Oilers are up 3-2, to two, but we'll see as the game unfolds. 3-3. Three, three. Uh, it's now 3-3. Shit. I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> anyway, you guys take a quick break, but when we return, Tyler's got his O-dams. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode so far. As I'd mentioned in the intro, Eric isn't here, so we only have three segments today. So we're going to close off this uh, with a finale, and it's Tyler's MLB Dams. Tyler, it's all you, man. Thank you, James.
1: Uh, we got three Oh Dams for you. <clears throat> um, so we're going to lead it off with uh, kind of almost a similar topic we talked about two weeks ago, which was uh, the insane rate of no-hitters that are going on in the MLB right now. We had two more last week, and on back-to-back days, uh, Spencer Turnbull of the Detroit Tigers no hit the Mariners and Corey Kluber of the Yankees no hit the Texas Rangers bringing us to a total of six on this very young season as I mentioned last week the the modern day modern era record for no hitters in a season is seven um, and the and the and the record of all time is eight but that happened back in like 1886 or something crazy um, which you know so far in the pace obviously that's going to blow it out of the water and um, so, and a lot of people are, are, you know, kind of talking about this. Like, is there such a thing as too many no hitters? So, trading, you know, I kind of want to ask you about this one. Um, you know, no hitters are, you know, uh, a gem, right? It, it's it's something that it's it's rare. It doesn't happen very often. You know, six is a lot. You know, typically on average, it's probably more like you know three to four at most in a, a year. And it's it's very good. It's very cool. And it's, it's a great achievement. You know, when guys are throwing two a week, you know is that is that or is that too many no hitters is that like now it's like you know like oh another no hitter awesome or is it is it still worth tuning into
2: yeah um so i I took this question the first time two weeks ago and i wanted to keep talking about it because i'm just going to kind of reiterate with a little bit more oomph um as what i had last two weeks it's not a problem i mean look you have to give credit where it's due. And these pitchers are getting better and better every single, every single year. The, the, the scouts looking for, 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 uh, for pitchers are looking for velocity now, just like, just like they've um, the batting has changed in baseball over the, over the years where we, we care less about getting on base and more about getting and out of the park. We're hitting for the fences more and not worrying about strikeouts. This is, this is the answer to it. Analytics is letting, is letting pitchers, you know, first of all, um, I just think, pitchers are getting better and faster. And I think that if you, if you throw too slow of a, of a, of a ball, you're not even going to get looked at anymore. Like they're looking for velocity. They're looking for guys who can throw 98 and, and they're able to do it uh, to to do it with balls that are like, you know, like movement balls, like curve balls and and sliders and all that stuff. That's it's insane. And, and so are we really going to be upset for pitchers figuring it out and does it suck for batters? Yeah. But, again, and I'm going to say it again to get better. It's that simple. Uh, Also, on top of that, I think analytics has a lot to say about it too because I think that nowadays analytics really shows the weaknesses of who the pitcher is facing at every given time. Like I guarantee you, you ask any pitcher who's going to face the batter of the next game and they know exactly what the weaknesses are, what, what pitch and where it needs to be. And, and that is an advantage for the pitcher because the pitcher knows exactly what, what pitches um, that this batter struggles with and where, and they have the ability to put it there every single time. And that is that is something that the batters just I mean yeah they could use the analytics and see what the, what the strong points of, of the pitcher is you know whether' it's, whether it's Kershaw's curveball or what have you but it's still the pitcher who's delivering the ball you the, the batter can't say hey can you just throw me a a, a a nice one right up the middle yeah it doesn't work like that so I, I think at the end of the day baseball just needs to realize that the batters need to get better this is this is the progression of baseball this is the this is the ebbs and flows that you get. I think that you go back to um, folk you know and maybe it also has to do with the fact that the they are trying to hit for the fences and it, it leads to more strikeouts and, 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 and less hitting I think you guys should I think the game should, should um, evolve back to more of a small ball game keep the ball in the park and, and, and get on base that's my that's my opinion
1: yeah I mean I, I agree with you that it's definitely I don't blame the I mean, obviously you know it's more I think uh, blame on the hitters and their approach um i've obviously the pitchers are getting better they're throwing harder they're throwing ma- i mean you see dustin may you know his freaking 98 mile an hour sinker that moves like six feet i mean that's just not fair how, how the hell are you going to hit that but um you know these pit- the pitchers are getting better um but also the hitters are kind of just they're not adjusting the way they need to adjust um i think i think it's just some interesting things about these no hitters too um uh of the six no hitters three teams are the ones that are being hit so so three teams have been no hit twice. Um, that's, that's pretty interesting. So it's kind of, it's just three different teams. And also the pitchers throwing the no hitters are a little surprising. You know, it's, it's not, it's not the Garrett Cole, the DeGrom, the, the Bauer, you know, it's, it's guys like Corey Kluber passes past his prime, Spencer Turnbull, uh, Wade Miley, like these guys that, you know, average to below average pitchers throwing these no hitters, which is, it's pretty interesting. Um, so that's what, and, and for me, I mean, like I said, I love watching no hitter. I get no hitter alerts on my phone. And I tune in and I'm, I'm watching it and I'm really excited. Honestly, when I got the, the notification that Corey Kluber was throwing no hitter, I was like, my reaction is normally like, oh, cool. Like I, I, I need to get to, to a TV or my phone to like watch the ninth thing of no hitter. I didn't watch it because I was like, really? Another one? That, that was my reaction to that. And I don't think that's a good thing. So as a baseball fan reacting to a potential no hitter being like, oh, another one, that's not good. So in my opinion, I think there are too many things as too many no hitters. Um, especially just the rate that they're going right now. If we had six in a season, that's fine, but we have six and we're not even through May yet. That's like, that's too many. I think, I, I think, I think, I don't know. It, it kind of, it diminishes the excitement and the um, prestige of a no hitter when there's just too many of them, because then they're not as rare. And it's just like, Oh, another no hitter. It's, it's kind of like a triple double basketball. Like they're, it's cool. It's a great achievement, but they happen like almost every night. Right. And I'm not saying that no hitters are that, that common, but, you know, a, a no hitter should be just the most special thing. Like it's happens only a few times a year and you're tuning in. It's much watch TV. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know if I'm concerned necessarily about the offense. I, I think, I think things will adjust back to normal and we'll see less no hitters and whatever. I think we're just at that peak, you know, of, of, of this changing where the pitching is just so good and the hitting just has not made it adjust me yet. But I think we, t- we talked about it last week. I, I do agree with you. I think that will eventually even out. Um, yeah. I don't know. For me, I was kind of just like, it wasn't a big deal that Corey Kluber was throwing a no-hitter a day after Turnbull was thrown a no-hitter. It was just kind of like, oh, cool. Um, anyway, uh, mo- uh, moving on to my second O-Damn. Uh Tony Lurus Tony Lur- Tony Lur- was doing Tony LaRusso L- 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 things. Um, a pretty interesting thing here. We talked about him a lot on this podcast about there's this old guy that's c- coming in this new era of baseball, old unwritten rules. And this was a textbook unwritten rule kind of reaction here. So to kind of go through it, uh your your mean Mer- Mercedes, the rookie who is leading the the big leagues in average is having an, an amazing breakout season. Um the, the White Sox were playing the twins. Uh the, the White Sox were winning uh 15-4 in the in the ninth inning. Um they had a position player pitch the ninth inning in, in relief, and he threw a 47 mile an hour heater to Mercedes on a 3-0 count and Mercedes just saw this giant meatball coming at him and decided to swing. And of course he hits it 400 feet. Um, And the twins or the, or Tony La Russa had a problem with that. You know, his, his own player playing baseball uh, you know, pretty much said that he's going to receive punishment, you know, and that, you know, he's going to have to deal with it. and And then it won't happen again, basically just called out his own player, for you know, swinging 3-0 in a, in a 15-4 blowout game, which, again, is a kind of one of those old-school unwritten rules. You just don't do that. Uh, the next day, the uh, the Twins retaliated. Uh, uh, Tyler Duffy, the pitcher for the Twins, threw behind uh, Mercedes. Uh, Duffy got tossed. After the game, Tony Tony was asked about it, and he supported Tyler Duffy. He said, yeah, I think that was a, a good thing. Um, so basically, he wants his players to get thrown at. Uh, if, if that happens, uh, just an interesting way to go about it. There's a lot of different opinions about it, um, James, but what is your opinion of how Tony La kind of ma- handled this situation and his, um, his, his way of thinking
0: in, in, in this uh, sense here? Oh, I hated it. I absolutely despised it. Uh, this irks me to my core, uh, not only in a baseball sense, and also in the sense that the concept of this unwritten rules is kind of the epitome of what's wrong with our society today. Um, when it comes to just the baseball fact of it right now, like Alex had the White Sox. He covered the White Sox in your little preview sections. And a big question that everybody asked and that Alex didn't know the answer to is why did Larusa get hired by this team? Like La Russa is known to be old and stubborn and a stickler for unwritten rules. And now he's coming into this team that's young, energetic, and is all about this new school way of playing baseball. That all in all did not add up. And it still doesn't add up now. And it's like, let's look at the bigger picture here. Like I said, he is the epitome of what's wrong today. He sticks to old school rules like it's his job, like it's his life depends on it. And it's these old antiquated thoughts and beliefs and a refusal to change with the times. And that's what you see with politicians today. Like people who lead this world, like we're getting people who are older, who had lived through the 1960s, the 1970s. And the world is not like that. The world is different than what it was last year. And we're getting people who have not seen anything like this to lead us. We're getting people who are just seeing like the drug wars and all the, the, this huge unwritten like political caste system that we see today. And people are sticking to that because all they know, because the leaders, that's all they know. They go back to this unwritten rule thing because they refuse to change and look at things in a different perspective. And that's what's happening now in baseball In like a smaller sample size, you have Larusa coming in here and refuses to change. He is not a good leader the calling card of a good leader is to see what's in front of him and change based off of what people are giving you and adapt to what's happening in front of you right now. He doesn't, he refuses to do that. And he's lost his locker room. Nobody supports him. He's made this call and he said, dude, this fuck. This guy's weird as hell. He said he was going to spank You're You're know I mean Mercedes. Your know I mean Mercedes is 300 pounds more than you are, dude. You wanna spank him, you're going to break your hand. You're 70 years old with osteoarthritis and you smoke. Dude, you're not, you're not tough. Nobody respects you right now. Your team does not respect you. It's how much managing is he really doing other than making a lineup card right now? Probably nothing, because nothing he says people take seriously. Nobody on his team likes him. No analyst likes him. I don't understand why he's there. This team can manage itself. The thing that sucks about this, too, on the baseball side of it, is that he's ruined your Mer- mean Mercedes. Like, your mean Mercedes is having a great year. And the game after that, he went hitless. And he's been doing pretty subpar since that time, since he was scolded and told that he, his coach didn't have his back. Like, that hurts you mentally. And that's taking away your confidence, man. For somebody who is 20 years old, has bounced around the minor leagues, uh, he's a Rule 5 draft pick. Like, he's fighting for his job day in and day out. And these stats is what gonna, is, is going to get him his next contract. Another home run on your stats, that's huge. That's going to go a long way in securing you for your future not doing that is taking away that opportunity. Not to mention hitting a 48 mile an hour fastball. That's hard to do. That's a lot of power coming from you as the hitter. Just like trading was mentioning earlier, how a lot of pitchers throw fastballs now. And I think that's the reason why the game has evolved to more of a home run happy thing, because the faster the velocity, the more power comes off the bat. It's Newton's laws. Like you can't, you can, you have to conserve the power. It's not going to go nowhere. So 48 miles an hour doesn't have a lot of power. Mercedes had to really yank that motherfucker to make that shit go far. And he did. He's a strong dude. You can't spank that motherfucker. Dude, Larusa, why are you still around, man? Just, you were tired once. Stay away. You're ruining baseball. Ooh.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I like that take. I think, I think a lot of people, the you know, younger guys, you know, are kind of our age group, I think mostly agree with you. Uh, I think he just... He's, he, he's out of touch with the times. Um, I, I, it blew my mind that he, you know, kind of um, supported the twins uh, reaction to that. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Um, Even, even like, you know, in, you know, 10 years ago when, when, when guys throw at your guy, like how do you support the other team That, that, blew my mind. I think, I I think it's one thing to say, you know, 3-0 count, you're at 15 to four. Shouldn't have done that. Whatever. Like I disagree with it, but you know, whatever. But then to go out and support the other team for throwing at your guy. Yikes, man! I don't know about that. And also, just kind of one one last thing, like with the unwritten rules about you know swinging a, 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 a on a on a three zero count up up by nine runs. Like, you know, we want to see these guys play baseball. We want to see guys hit home runs four hundred and thirty feet. I don't give I don't give a shit if they're up fifteen runs or it's a walk off home run. Yeah. Like, we like to see these guys match. Like, like home runs are fun to watch. And your your mean Mercedes is having one of the best seasons. Um, that we've ever seen, and we want to see this guy hit as many home runs as possible. I don't give a shit what the score is. So, I mean, I think that's that's the thing. I think that's what a lot of you don't get. You know, it's like, yeah, you're up fifteen to four. You know, but they're they're being paid. People are paying money and tuning in these games to watch these guys play baseball, not take a 3-0 count. You know, so that's what I, what I got about that. Um, last last oh damn moment here. Um, the top six. Records in baseball belong to teams in two divisions, and that is the NL West and the AL East. Um, so these are turning into quite good division battles here. Um, currently, as we stand um, in the NL West, the, the the San Diego Padres with the best record in baseball are a half a game above the Dodgers, and then the San Francisco Giants are are a game behind that. So they're a, a game and a half back of the uh, back of the Padres. So those three teams up there top in the NL West. In the AL East, uh, we got the uh, the Tampa Bay uh, Rays are now atop of the AL East, a half a game above above the Boston Red Sox. And then the Yankees are right there only a game back of, of Tampa Bay there. So all, all those teams separated by game. And um, in the NL West, all, all the top three teams separated by a game and a half. So um, I've obviously had a couple of surprises, I think, in both of those divisions. Um, also teams that I think we, we expect to be there. Um, so that begs the question. You know, um, it's definitely it's definitely possible that all of these all six of these teams can make the uh, postseason with, with with the current format. Um, but that pretty much leaves the rest of the divisions, both those leagues, just for the division winners. Um, so, Alex, so so kind of a two 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 questions. Um, obviously, we stand here. We're, we're approaching um, kind of the um, the third third way mark of the season. Um, do you see all six of these teams making the postseason? Um, And then who do you ultimately think will win each division there? Okay. So I'm going to start in the AL. I do not think
3: all three teams will make it out of the AL East because I also think it's still a four-team race. Toronto's lost six in a row, but they're only five and a half out. They're a very good team. They still, you know, George Springer's coming back. So I just think those those guys, those top four teams, sorry, Baltimore, you're trash, are going to beat up on each other. I just think that there's, they're not one of those guys who's going to end up with like 98, 99, 100, 101 wins. It's going to be like a 92-win team because Boston's much better than we expected. Tampa's always good. The Yankees are good. Toronto's not becoming – I just think they're all gonna, going to beat up on each other too much, um, and I think, I, think too, I think there will be two teams to come out of the ALEs, one out of the Central – and then two out of the West. I think that's kind of how, in my like mind, it will fall now, especially with, as Traden told us last week, the Minnesota Twins are fucking done. Like, they're trash. Um, I don't know. I, I picked the Yankees, and I still think I'm going to stick with them. Um, they'll get Luis Severino back eventually. They've stayed healthy. They've finally given up on Gary Sanchez, thank God, because he's fucking garbage. Um, so I stoop and like I think the Yankees are probably the most complete team, but Boston gets Chris Sale back. And if Chris Sale can pitch well, you know, JD Martinez is back, Xander Bogarts is playing well, Tampa's got Wander Franco coming. I don't know. I think the AL East is a much more competitive division than we originally anticipated, and that's awesome. I legitimately think there's four teams, and it would not surprise me if any of those four won and any of those four didn't make. That so I feel like it's gonna come down to the wire. In the NL, um, obviously the Dodgers are going to win, and they will be winning by ten games. So I can take James's money. <laughs> uh, to be honest, though, I'm uh, I will probably end up owing James money uh, with the with that five and fifteen stretch the Dodgers had. Um, making up ten games over the Padres is going to be pretty hard, um, especially with the injuries and the amount of injuries the Dodgers have gone through, and. Um, Trade in as much as I love you, I think the Giants are going to start fading. Now, they—they just—I don't—they can't. Like Alex Wood cannot be this good for this long. He can't. He won't be able to stay healthy. Anthony DeSclafani just got murdered by the Dodgers, who didn't have some of their best players in. Didn't have Mookie. Betts, didn't have Cody Bellinger, and he gave up 10, 10 runs. Um, two San Diego. Both. Both San Diego and the Dodgers have gone through a lot of injuries whether the Dodgers you know pitching in bullpen or the Padres with covid um East has been out twice so i i think it's i think that's just going to be a two horse race um that i mean we t- you talked we talked about it a while ago the east is just a fucking mess in the national league some team's going to win that division with like 86 wins yeah. um and then so and then i think two teams will come out of the central chicago's been pretty amazing so Um, I'm I'm obviously I'm picking the Dodgers. I think Bellinger's coming back. I still think that four headed monster of the Dodgers pitching staff in Bueller, Kershaw, Urias and Bauer is just too much for anyone to handle. Darvish has been great. Um, you know, Chris Paddock's been pretty terrible. Blake Snell, I think is one of the most overrated pitchers in baseball. Um, we talk about it with our boy, Matt all the time. I have no idea what's going on. Nelson Lamette. Um, I just, I just don't think the Padres pitching staff can, can keep up with what the Dodgers' top four can bring. Um, and with David Price, Tony Gonsolin. Like, they seem to have all these depth issues, and they're like, holy crap, this team is good. So, um, in conclusion, Yankees are going to win the East. Dodgers are going to win the West. Two are going to come out of both. Um, I, just don't, I just don't have faith in the Giants, and I think the East is going to beat up on each other too much.
1: Yeah. I, I, I like those picks. Uh, I, I agree with you with the, uh, with the NL West. Um, I'm going to go with Boston, the East. Um, there's just, they have, they have that something going on. I think Alex core coming back uh, to kind of lead, lead that clubhouse is huge. Um, and this, I think it's a team that kind of has a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I don't think the Yankees are that good that I think they're going to run away with it. Um, they're playing a lot better baseball the, the, the last month or so. So they're definitely going to be in there. I think they're going to make the playoffs. Um, but I think, I think the Red Sox are going to squeak out, a a, a AL East, uh, title there. Um, but yeah, I don't think oh, all uh, six worst, of them... uh, uh, worst of first sort of situation. Yes. Yeah, so worst the first, I sort... have been known to do that. Yeah. So I think, you know, Boston's just kind of, they, they have that, they have that, uh, mentality there and they, they, they have their championship, uh, leader back. And I, I, I think that's huge. I think that's something that had, a lot of people don't think about with that Red Sox team, having Alex score back in there is, is huge for them. Um, and, and you also, just real quick, you, you, you mentioned the uh, NL East, how, how bad it is. Um, that entire division is separated by two games, but the team in first place, only one game above 500. Uh, that's the New York Mets. Um, so that's just a bunch of really average, shitty teams battling it out there, which that, it's, it's just crazy to see that division compared to the uh, NL West and just the difference in the, the, the caliber, the, the caliber of, of the ball clubs there. Um, but, yeah, I, I, that's what I love about this MLB season. There's just a, a lot of ups and downs, and it's just, a, you know, a, 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 lot, a lot going on, a lot of ebbs and flows, surprises, uh, uh, things that we didn't expect to go are going a completely complete different, uh, different way. <clears throat> um, but that's going to do it. We're for my ODAMs, O-Dams this, uh, this week. James, thank
0: you very much. That's all I got. Tyler, that was amazing, as always. I had a lot of fun of mine, off from the heart. It's good stuff. Um, at the stands right now, the Oilers and the Jets are headed to overtime, 3-3. So if you made it this far in the episode, you probably know by now if Trayton cried from happiness or broke his computer. I mean, we'll see you next week, too, but you'll know. Uh, that being said, I hope you guys really enjoyed episode 48. Uh, let's talk about life. The interviews will be coming back soon, probably within the next two weeks. And Alex made a great recommendation that we should interview you guys on the podcast. And that's what we're going to do. So I'll have a couple of podcast interviews lined up and uh, we'll see if you guys like that. And we'll go from there. Um, if Please follow us on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, give us a rating review, find us on social medias. And I uh, hope you guys have a great week. See you next week.